Two nights after TLC went off the Lucha House, not a creature was stirring, not even a Miz. The McMahons came out and they fired Corbin with hopes that Raw would no longer be boring. The New Day were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of pancakes danced in their heads. With our truth dreads and Carmella's Long Island cap had just settled us down for the Royal Rumble nap. When outside the arena there arose such a clatter, I sprang backstage to see what was the matter. Away to the parking lot slower than Nash, tore back the curtain and slapped Bobby Lash. EC3 was called up with Lars and their friends. To what point they'll be jobbed, I'm sure there's no end. <laughs> when what to my wandering eyes should arrive, but the McMahon family, yes, they're all still alive. With little old Drake Maverick so lively and quick, the, rev- the Revival aren't champs and that makes me sick. More rapid than screwdrops and rung bells they came, we'll bury them all and call them by name. Now Dash, now Dance, now... Now Dash, now Dawson, now Breeze, now Fandango. On Rusev, on Cesaro, on Balor, and Joe. To the top of the card, you'll never go. Now go away, go away, go away all. As tears began to pour from every fan's eye, when Big Brock Lesnar is champs, we all cry. So up to the rumble, our hopes lie with Braun. If it's Lesnar's and Rollins, we will all go yawn. And then in the twinkling time of his career, the Undertaker retires, eh, maybe next year. As I drew in my head and business was turning round, Roman will be back in mania bound. Dean was dressed up all in fur and looking like Bane. When Jinder was champ, we're all in pain. But alas, good children, don't fret about snow, for as mania approaches, as does the Kevin and Sammy show... He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. Mez- Meltzer just laughed, that bitch can't help himself. But as I heard Vince exclaim to all children with glee, Happy Christmas to all, especially the Brothers Beverly. Wow. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 20 of the 10 Count Wrestling uh, yeah. Podcast. Yeah, no, things are good. Well done yourself. Um, it's almost the end of the year, which is, Chris Parsall, you know, a good thing for me because I'm the corporate Justin finance Trump. and people are losing their minds about how they're finishing. We can yeah. make it if we and try. Like <laughs> how are we doing you know, today, brother? I am doing it's, it's holiday great. time. Merry Christmas coming to into you town. and to all uh, the and people in the world. And it's just in natural WWE. that... Uh, all kinds of shit. The second we can record <laughs> shit starts <laughs> breaking down. You've had TLC um, and the brand new Monday Night Raw. Let's start with TLC. 11 matches on the card. Yeah. Um, first, you know, I'll just go down the line. We'll say a few quick things about them. Mixed match challenge finals, where the winning team gets number thirty in each of their respective rumbles. The fabulous truth, our truth, and Carmella beat Mahalisha, Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. This was a nothing match. Yeah. I actually liked the idea of a prize for winning the mixed match mixed match challenge. I don't like that it was number thirty in the rumble. That's part of the fun. I completely agree with you. I wish I don't like when they tell any number before the rumble starts. I want to be surprised by every single person that comes out. Um, so to, to especially to have number thirty on our truth, you know he's not right. doing anything. So it's it's a bummer. That's usually a huge number. Uh, you know, potential surprise return. Remember Cena's return. So boo to that. The one good <clears throat> thing I could see happen is if our truth music hits and he doesn't come out. 
because mm-hmm. he got ambushed backstage by Cody Rhodes. Oh, that would be pretty awesome. Or he like forgot because he's so dumb that you know that's his gimmick, so he forgets know, to come out. Right. So and, and somebody else like that comes out. That would be pretty sweet. I wouldn't be mad at that. No, um, I'd take it. Dean Ambrose, furry jacket and all, won the Intercontinental <laughs> title from Seth Rollins. Despite the crowd, I enjoyed this match. Yeah, I, I was confused by the crowd. I thought that the storytelling was pretty good. I think it could have used a stipulation, quite frankly, given all the heat behind it. But um, the crowd hated it. I heard, I read a rumor that Vince was furious about it. Meltzer said that. I'm not sure if that's true or not. I heard the same thing. <clears throat> and... I, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty good. I thought that they laid it on the line, and um, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought what I mentioned was the commentary during the match, which was really building towards another angle because Corey Graves is really going after um, how Renee is married to Dean and what the hell is he doing and all this stuff. And, and you know, even Michael Cole was like, just call a match. So it was a weird like sort of tension between the – Announcers, which is just different. Right. It's, it's different. I liked it. But they got to do something with it. Right. I mean... Right. They, they, they got to do something with it. Um, TLC match. If Braun Strowman wins, he gets a universal title match at Royal Rumble. And Baron Corbin is removed as the GM. If, G, if Corbin won, he would become the full-time GM. Uh, Braun Strowman won, obviously. Um, with yeah. the help of special guest referee Heath Slater. Mm-hmm. And Chad Gable. And... A slew Paul, of others, Paul Bobby Roode, Paulo Cruz, Finn Balor. And Kurt like, Angle. And Kurt Angle, yeah. I, I mean, again, <clears throat> I like this. This whole, this whole yeah. card was very comeuppance for the heels, which yep. I'm usually a heel guy, but like they needed an end game. Right. And I think this was the end game for that. Um, and you know, they reset as they did last night. Yeah, it's it's honestly what wrestling is all about at its core. The heel gets, you know... Some some heat on them for however long it goes, and then the face comes back to to seize the day, and that was a lot of that this day in, uh, on TLC. So I thought it was pretty good, and, and I think the fans reacted in that way because it, it, that's the story since wrestling began. Right. Um, singles match for the Raw Women's Championship. Ronda Rousey <laughs> defeated Nia Jax to retain the title. I actually thought this was Ronda's best match to date. I I agree. I think she gets better every time she's in the ring. I loved her like jumping and like kind of climbing Nia Jax. Yeah. And the offense was pretty awesome. I thought Nia was a good uh, counterpart for her. I've seen a lot of greenness out of Nia, but I thought she looked very comfortable. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I I love this match actually. The God of Hellfire, big fan favorite of, <laughs> of the show, um, <laughs> proclaimed Ron Rousey the best women's wrestler going today. After wow. Um I walked away from his ass. <laughs> I, I actually don't think I've spoken to him since he said that. <laughs> I'm not willing to go that far, but um, I think if it was a different time, she would certainly be the best in the division. She has a long way to go before she's passing the likes of Charlotte and Alexa Bliss and probably a few others. And let's not forget the man. And the man, of course. Get in line behind... I can't do that accent. Get in line behind the man. Right. Um, Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles, a clean finish WWE Championship match. Yeah. I know Pete hated everything <laughs> about everything that's happened the last 72 hours. Right. I thought this was a really good match, and I liked the finish. Yeah. I I think it was um, well done. I think Daniel Bryan was, was doing what I 
always complain about. He was he was acting like the heel during the match, which we don't see a lot. <clears throat> um, you know, it was kind of a surprise finish, and AJ played it off well, looking shocked. So I think that this will continue. But I thought it was a great match. Absolutely. Uh, Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre. Solid match. Finn won after some outside interference by Dolph Ziggler. It's kind of a throwaway, just more comeuppance from the whole Corbin thing. Not a lot to write home about. Yeah. No, I I agree. Um, In the fucking weirdest match of the night, (laughs) the ladder match with the guitar hung above the ring, and whoever grabbed it could use it as a weapon. That's what they said the stipulation was. Okay. Elias defeated Bobby Lashley by being the first person to get the guitar. Oh. So what? the match was over after Elias got the guitar. <laughs> That's very WCW of them. I did I not watch no that one. I had no fucking idea what was happening. Right. Um, but then Bobby Lashley got the guitar, guitar and attacked Elias okay. afterwards. So yeah. nothing, nothing special That's kind of lame. Uh, the Bar retained the tag team titles the against bar. the two most annoying tag teams in wrestling today. <laughs> So that was my favorite match. Yep. Natalia defeated Ruby Riot in a table match. I didn't hate this match. Yeah. I mean, I have not mixed messages on this show about my feelings towards Natalia Neidhart. Right. Um, I think she sucks out loud. <laughs> but it was this was a this is a fine match. Yeah, I mean it's I get that they're they're sort of re-pushing these women one by one, right? And it seems like it's Natalia's turn after it was Becky's turn. Um, I, I don't love Natalia's in-ring work or promo work either. I think for her to, like, squash three people of the Riot Squad was a bit much. I did kind of like the, um, the the touch of the pictures on the table. It's kind of, you know, I know some people get weirded out by that type of stuff, but I thought it was pretty good. And... um I'm glad it was a tables match. If that was just a regular match, it would have been kind of lame. Right. At least we got a table spot at the end. <laughs> right. We actually got three table spots because right. you put each one of them through a table. Mm-hmm. Um, singles match for the Cruiserweight Championship. Buddy Murphy retained on the uh, pre-show against Cedric Alexander. It was actually a pretty damn good match. I did not see that Buddy one. Buddy Murphy is for real. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the uh, Chris has to take a shit match, <laughs> Rey Mysterio <laughs> defeated Randy Orton in, in a chairs match. I legitimately was like, nope, went up and took a shit. You should watch this match. No, thanks. I'm telling you, it it was actually, I was very pleasantly surprised by it. They did some very innovative stuff with the chairs. Mysterio at one point runs and like almost boogie boards on the chair and flies outside under the bottom rope and lands on top of Randy Orton who's laying outside on the... That sounds neat. It's, it was like unlike anything I've ever seen. And then they... They just got creative with the chairs, and, you know, they're two veterans, they're two pros. We've seen the match probably a million times. Orton, to me, it, actually both of them are not outwardly compelling right now. Right. They're both the same. Just like Dolph Ziggler and some of these others, they, there's been very little iterations of their character in the last, you know, five, six years. So I wasn't compelled by the storyline, but the match was actually pretty good. It's maybe, worth a watch. Maybe I'll go back and look at it. <laughs> And then in the main event of the evening, the Triple Threat TLC first time ever Women's Smackdown Live World Championship main event never happened before. I, they had such a fucking long title for this right. match. <laughs> um, the man, Becky Lynch, versus the queen, Charlotte Flair, versus the empress of, I guess, today now, yeah. um, Asuka. 
I enjoyed this match. I think they telegraphed a few of the spots mm-hmm. poorly, and that's not their fault. You know, it's putting these three women into a position that they're not completely familiar with. Right. Um, no, but they. I think you know these matches tend to be spot fests, as we know. Right. I thought it was great. Um, I really thought, and credit Charlotte with her selling. When Becky went off the top of the ladder, oh, I thought she, she was dead. Uh, yeah, I, it really looked like she bounced off her and maybe broke oh. some broke some ribs, like internal bleeding type stuff. Um, you know, I think the the spear through the wall with Asuka sort of meandering over there for no reason was kind of right. But I mean, the spot itself was still pretty sick. They still had to do it, right? Yeah, but they she <clears> should have <throat> been like brawling with Becky in that corner, mm-hmm. and like Becky moves out of the way. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, I'm Oscar, I stand here. Boom. Right, that right. Doesn't, that's not helpful. Right. But but that said, they they kicked the hell out of each other, and they took some nasty bumps. Um, and I actually loved the ending, so I thought th- I thought the main event was great. I loved the ending, but I thought it was done poorly at the same time. Yeah. I, like the way she just kind of did her. Yeah. I've got a I've got a load in my shorts walk, <laughs> and then like she yeah. like awkwardly stepped in the ring. Yeah. Like, she should have run her ass into the ring, slid in, and pushed the ladder over. Right. And she didn't push it well enough because they both yeah. kind of, like, tea-kettled and didn't actually go out of the ring. Right. And again, not her fault, but at the right. same time, her fault. Because she's got to get with the fucking program. Right. Yeah. And again, we're, we mentioned this last time. Where is, like, the coaching or is she just freezing in the moment? That's what I want to know um, from a backstage standpoint. It... She should have been strutting and posing and laughing after, you know, knocking them over. Instead, right. she just you know storms out and walks out. Yeah, um, such a such a missed moment for her character development. But um, storyline wise, it gives a lot of legs to you know all four women. So I like it. Certainly does. <clears throat> I almost this is going to be a weird parallel to to make, but Rhonda almost reminds me of when Jericho was doing that thing where he'd come out. And not say anything yeah. and leave again. <laughs> but instead she comes out, does something awkwardly, mm-hmm. and then leaves. No, exactly. Jericho, the difference was Jericho was 100% comfortable in his skin while he was doing that. And whether he was crying or, or laughing or just running around the ring, slapping people high five. Right. I, I really do think Ron is going to get there. I think she displays an intensity for the business. I think she loves the business legitimately um she just man i'm repeating myself but if if she had a dusty or a, or a roddy piper or somebody that with her like she should have like maybe i'll show her what to do <laughs> get in the ring Rhonda. right or ted dibiase should should just meet with her backstage there's got to be an agent that's maybe dedicated. she could have some help on this end. yes that would be you do mma my client does mma that Rhonda, good lady whether Pete mentioned that last time, if if Heyman had a stable, or even if he just did it backstage and was her like guru, anything, it it's there. It's it's there. It's that's why somebody it's so needs maddie. to grab her by the fake leather jacket and be like, <laughs> "Listen, get your shit together." Right. Right. This isn't fake UFC. This is pro wrestling. Right. Yeah, I said it. Wow. Fake UFC. Fake. Yeah. Okay, Brock. It's your Brock. It's your first fight in the UFC. We're gonna hand you some guy that is blind with one with one hand. <laughs> oh, I wonder what's gonna happen. Very true. Yeah, it's yeah, it's um, 
It's very much the same. But it will get better. It will. The it will. next night, let's uh, let's fly through Raw because some of yeah. our friends have opinions on it. Um, yeah. The McMahons came out and said they've been doing wrong and they've been putting the wrong people in charge, not giving the fans what they want. And the four of them, Triple H, Stephanie, Shane, and Vince, are taking control back from Raw and promises new faces, yeah. new matches, new everything, and followed it up with a match we saw the night before. <laughs> there was not much new that night, I would say. and So I like the idea of the McMahons being involved. Um, I think they can do a lot with the four of them, like too many cooks in the kitchen and they start feuding with each right. other type stuff. I I didn't love the episode of Raw after that, to be honest. I thought it was a lot of shit. I wanted to see a lot, you know, these NXT people, hell, throw... It should have been, boom, um, one of the new X- NXT people right away. That should have been the first person out, and the place would have went nuts. Um, so that was a missed opportunity. And I thought, oh, we'll get to the main event. But. Well, we got Corbin's out as GM. Yeah. And we had Finn Balor and Dolph Ziggler in a decent match. Right. McIntyre attacked. So the three of them might feud with each other, which I'm <clears throat> those three together until they're ready to bring McIntyre up. Right. I'm fine with. Makes sense. Um, Ambrose did an open challenge. Tyler Bre- I really thought Tyler Breeze was going to win. That would have so been awesome. the four of us, uh, Justin, myself, the Musica Mahler, and the man that Gravity remembered, <laughs> uh, we, we text during all the wrestling shows. And... Um, Sorry, rude of me. I thought you were, weren't done with your surge. Oh no, that's gone. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we texted her on the show, and uh, I said Beverly Brothers. Yep. I said, oh, one of the four guys in the fucking half bane yep. gas mask outfits is going to be Seth Rollins, mm-hmm. and he's going to cost Dean the title, and Tyler's going to win, and it'll be the best fucking Raw of all time. <laughs> because if there's one thing that I've never been too clear about on this show is how much I love Prince Pretty. I think he's fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm going off script for a second. Tyler yes. Breeze is fucking awesome. <laughs> From the fact that he has um, Ted DiBiase-esque seasonal residency, residencies, <laughs> however the fucking plural of residences. Right. Um, I love the furry boots. Yeah. I love the fucking the cell phone up on the Titantron. I love Great. all of That's it. That's my favorite part. His finisher is the beauty shot, which is the unprettier. Um, mm-hmm. I fucking love it. And I thought it would have been a great moment for this guy to win the title. Um, right. But no, instead, Dean, I mean, it was a good competitive match. But then Dean won, and then Rollins attacked him. I think they lost, they missed a, <clears throat> yeah. no pun intended, they missed a golden opportunity there. Right. What a what a shot in the arm it would have been for Tyler Breeze. You for know. the entire mid-card, however. Right, yeah. For Breeze, for fucking Mojo Rowley, for, right. you know, Chad Gable, Apollo for Apollo Cruz, Cruz yeah. for everybody. This yeah. were, for all those NXT guys that haven't done shit. Mm-hmm. This would have been okay. Yeah, as much, we'll get there. As much as I didn't love the Ginger Mahal being the champ after a bit, it was different. It, it was different, and it gave hope. Like if you're going out there just getting your head handed to you every week, or like you're not even on Raw, you're pre-show every time. Like these guys, you know, just keep keep at it, and and you'll end up. Um, up and down the card, you might get one spot like Zack Ryder did in WrestleMania, but hey, you know, it's still something, and you can make a career out of it. Look at Heat Slater. He's you know? just one man, baby. <laughs> um, then uh, we had Drake Maverick and AOP demanding their mandatory rematch, and Shane McMahon said mandatory rematches are a thing of the past. Wow. Which I thought was fucking great. Yeah, because they're usually a loss, and they're very predictable, and it's pretty lame. We're going to see the same match. Again. Right. 
So that's out. Okay. Then we got word that NXT call-ups are coming to WWE. So they might split these up between Raw and SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. EC3, the former Ethan Carter III. He was Derek Bateman in the original um, iteration of NXT. Then he got fired because he sucked and joined <laughs> TNA as Dixie Carter's rich nephew. Part of the top 1% was his gimmick. <laughs> he actually did it very well. That's um, brilliant. But yeah, EC3, that's what EC3 stands for. Okay. Ethan Carter III. Dixie Carter, you know, formerly yeah. owned yep. TNA. And they brought him in as like her rich nephew that she was handing right. everything to. Right. Um, he was the Impact Grand Champion once. He was a two-time TNA World Champion. He's 35 years old. He's 6'2", 231. Wow. Built like a fucking brick shit house. I think he... I, wow. he's, got, he's got charisma. Mm-hmm. He's a handsome son of a bitch. He's mm-hmm. built. I think he's got... I think he's got real potential. Um, yeah, especially, hey, I mean, there's no secret. Vince loves those type of guys. Look yeah. at Drew McIntyre. He's going to get pushed to the moon soon. Got, you know. Guys he fired that <clears throat> did right by themselves and came back. Yep. You know, we could go all day. Drew right. McIntyre's right at the top of that list. Right. Um, Cassius Ono, you know, still plugging away in NXT. Mm-hmm. I can only think of two right now. But, <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of guys that he said, go away for a while. Jinder Mahal. Yeah. Go away for a while. Yep. Dust yourself off, come back, and we'll see what we can do. Christian was perfect example. Yeah, um, so there's plenty of guys that you know have had that happen and came back and been really successful. Yeah, um, go establish a char- character for yourself. Right, you know, make something of yourself, and right. then I'll give you a shot in the big time. Yeah. Um, then we got Heavy Machinery, Otis Dozovic, and Tucker Knight. They're two products of the NXT system. Mm-hmm. They're 26 and 24 years old, respectively. Five ten, three forty. And six three two ninety seven. They're big boys. Wow, holy they smokes. are big boys. Lars Sullivan, who they've been promoting for the last you know month or so, he's yeah. thirty years old. He's six three three thirty. He's gonna get pushed to the moon. Yeah, I'm ready for him versus Braun. Really? Yeah, it's gonna happen. Wow. No, that'll be good. I saw. I did catch his promo or his um, vignette or whatever that was. He's coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, big guy. Um, reminds me of a. Uh, Prince Albert, in a way, you know, kind of shaped like him. Yeah. And, which is, you know, maybe that's just his shape. Hopefully not in terms of his uh, length of career. He's nothing like Prince Albert. <laughs> I've seen him wrestle a couple of times. He's, gotcha. uh, he's something special. Maybe he's more like Lord Tensai or uh, a train maybe, <laughs> maybe he's like NXT head trainer Matt Bloom. <laughs> Have you thought of that? That's a yeah, it's a great one. Then the uh, last two call-ups are Nikki Cross. You know she was in Sanity, which leads me to believe she'll be going to SmackDown. Okay, twenty-nine years old. She was Nikki Storm in the Indies. She's five-two-one eighteen, but she's a fucking bag of cats. That bitch yeah. is crazy. I love watching her wrestle. Okay, she's, good. she's like a bag of cats. Bag of cats. She's so like just intense and like yeah. she's a ball. She's a literal ball of fire. I love Nikki Cross. Okay, um, her nickname is the Twisted Sister of NXT, ah, which I, I like. She talks with the, you know not I fucking I can't do accents. Um, <laughs> she's uh, she's Scottish, so okay. you know take Becky Lynch lower in an octave. And right, don't say potato, and you've got <laughs> Nikki Cross, um, and then. Lacey Evans. Oh yeah. Oh Lacey Evans. <laughs> I love. I love. I can Lacey see Evans. like you know those cartoons where the heart beats to the shirt. <laughs> I love, or um the fucking the the wolf who's the heart yeah is oh, his yeah. Eyes. 
Yeah, the time unravels. I love, and not only that, she's fucking awesome. She's five eight. She's twenty years, twenty eight years old. You think Stacy Keebler yeah. had stems, right? right? But she can <laughs> she can work. I saw her live at NXT and Lowell mm-hmm. when they were there before SummerSlam. Yeah. I think. She's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and the best part about her, and I get to break out the, the impression again, she's a former Marine. <laughs> Legitimately. Wow, really? So thank you for your service, Lacey Yeah, Evans. right? So she's a military lady. Um, <clears throat> so legit. Yes. Yeah. And 5'8", gonna, I mean, that's a giant in today's WWE. For women's wrestlers, she's, yeah. a, she's a tall gal. Yeah. Um, Throw her in, as Conrad Thompson would say, throw her in your Google machine. <laughs> she, she's a, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making fun and talking, you know, how good she looks uh, because it's only natural. But she's just <laughs> fucking great worker. She's yeah. a great worker. She's one of those, uh, I, I try to find a, 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 a delicate way to say this. Um, so you know how some of them, like, they they were easy on the eyes, but they yeah. weren't good workers. Right. There was an entire era, the brawn panties era of right. wrestling. Like, of they were easy on the eyes. And, yeah. you know, and we but, love them still, but, right. you know. And a lot of them today, they're very good looking, but they're very good as well. This is one that you look at her, you be like, oh, I don't know. She's fucking awesome. That's great. Lacey Evans is awesome. Good. I'm excited I, to see I, her. I hope, you know, honestly, I think if they were, if we were trying to figure out where all six were going to go... I would say Nikki Cross and Heavy Machinery got to go to SmackDown. Yeah. Freshen up the tag team division and put Nikki back with Sanity. Okay. And then Lars, Lacey, and EC3 on Raw. Okay. Um, but I fear I fear Lacey will get lost in the, the shuffle with Bailey and Banks. There's my fear. If she goes to Raw, she's going to get lost in the shuffle with Bailey, Sasha Banks, right. Natalia, Alexa Bliss when she's healthy, Nia Jax, well, Ronda yeah. Rousey. She'll get lost in the shuffle. <clears throat> Well, the draft will come in, a, you know, after WrestleMania, Good point. right? Good so, point. Yep. I think that they have to split up Sasha and Bailey. Um, they have to. Yeah. If nothing Maybe else, move Becky or Charlotte uh, back to Raw with Ronda. Becky on Raw would be fantastic. Oh. <laughs> Becky, I say on, I wouldn't have a reason to watch SmackDown anymore, but there's plenty of reasons to watch SmackDown. Right, SmackDown's right. better than Raw most weeks. Yep. Um. Number one contenders, Fatal 4-Way. The fucking Revival won a match. Yeah. And the Lucha House Party rules are out the window. That was... Well, I kind of like the Lucha House Party rules. I fucking hated it. (laughs) Because it basically just meant all three guys could fight at the same time, right? But the only victims to it were the fucking Revival. So I hated it. Mm -hmm. Poor Revival. I know they're your boys, and I'm glad they won it because I... I, uh, I just love their style. No flips, just fists. Yeah. <laughs> love the robot. Yeah. Then we had and, a women's gauntlet match uh, won by Natalia. I know. You hated it. Yeah. Pete hated it. John hated it. I loved it. And here's why. Yeah. Every woman on the roster had a chance to show us what we can do so we know right. who sucks and who's worth a damn. Yeah. So I. So they had the hour and a half gauntlet match uh, for the men. A few months ago, with when Rollins was in the ring for over an hour, right? Right. Um, I think it exposed some of the women a little bit. That's I think. Fair point. It, it, you know, Alicia Fox, Dana right? Brooke. Um, and, yeah, and I think the other part of it was when it started at nine forty-five or ten oh five, whatever it was. I can't remember exactly. Um, I thought for sure it was going to be a half an hour or forty-five minutes, and right. we would get. A more 
definitive ending to the new Raw. Something would happen in the last... Someone season. would come out. Right. So it's not even their fault. Alistair Black or someone from... Right. Or the Undisputed Era, baby! Right, right. So that's what I was... It's not necessarily their fault. I'm glad they got the exposure in that level of time. Um, and, you know, it's pretty much equal to what the men got. I just... And I know they were taping two shows, so they were really trying to fill time, but I I found a lot of the match to be to be boring, quite frankly. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I mean, yeah, Alicia Fox mm-hmm. is a level below a lot of them. I think Dana Brooks in that same um, point. I think for the first time since she came back, mm-hmm. Mickey step Mickey James looked like she lost a step. Yeah, she looked you know a little yeah. slow to the you know she wasn't in first gear. Yeah, if that's a Accurate, yeah, euphemism or metaphor. Yeah. She did, didn't she beat um, Bailey though? Did she pin Bailey? I can't remember. I the think order. she did, but after Bailey wrestled like four right, times, right, right, um, right. But you know, it's just yeah. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I liked it. It was different. Yeah, we'll see what SmackDown brings tonight. Yeah, maybe SmackDown will be good. Oh, and but the best thing of all, Kevin and Sammy are coming back soon. Yes, yes. Thank God. I love Kevin and Sammy. Yeah, I love Sammy Sands, his uh, Bobby Lashley feud, which even he couldn't save. But I, yeah. uh, but I can't wait to see Kevin Owens back. He is, um, with as long as Jericho is not around, he's my favorite uh, on the mic. You know, him and the Miz. Oh, he's so, so good. He's, he's great. So good. It's trivia time. Oh, mama. Trivia time. So today's episode, of course, is top ten one-on-one feuds. <laughs> John, <laughs> asshole. Which one-on-one? Wow. Well, I mean, let me read that like a human person. Which one-on-one feud is the only feud in history to win back-to-back Pro Wrestling Illustrated Feud of the Year awards? Ooh. And Pro Wrestling Illustrated has been covering this since 1979-ish. Ric Flair and Dusty? Nope. Uh, give me two more guesses. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I would... So, boy. I'll give you a hint. Uh, okay. It's going to be on both of our lists. Okay. Or at least it should be. Okay. If you uh, want to write it down so we don't spoil the list for people. Uh, or if you want to say it out loud, I don't care. Ric Flair versus Sting? Nope. Stone Cold versus Vince. Stone Cold, Steve wow. Austin versus Vince McMahon, two-time Pro Wrestling Illustrated, back-to-back. Yeah. Feud of the year. Okay. That brings us it's to... It's on my list for sure. It's on my list. <laughs> that brings us to my favorite segment. Who fucking cares? <laughs> on December 16th, 2009, so just about nine years ago, Okay. this week... Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura <laughs> aired its third episode of the first season entitled Global Warming. Oh, wow. Directly from Wikipedia, here is the episode synopsis. Ventura looks at some of the purported evidence that man-made global warming is an elitist scam. And all the money tra- and the money trail leads him to the doorstep of an elusive billionaire and former UN advisor residing in Shanghai. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> Shanghai. That was, we had to go all the way to Shanghai. Fucking cares. Which by the way, I that reminds me of my favorite conspiracy theory. I'm off topic, but they were showing a you know, in memoriam as they do this time of year for all the people that died in twenty eighteen. And they showed Stephen Hawking. 
And Pete turned me on to this conspiracy theory that Stephen Hawking actually died, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. And they've just been keeping him, like, Weekend at Bernie style and and having him, like, you know, do this elitist type, uh, you know. If you're looking for trouble, <laughs> you're going to get trouble. <laughs> right. But he's, like, the voice of the Illuminati or something ah, like that, which is hysterical. And I'll, I'll end on this note. I wanna, don't want to go too sideways, but he had ALS. And he lived like, you know, more than twice as long than anybody else that ALS had is, right. is, is the main point of the theory. And they basically said it's like if somebody <laughs> ran against Usain Bolt in the Olympics and ran the 100-meter dash in like 4.8 seconds instead of 9.7 seconds. And I just get this image of <laughs> right, just clearly not humanly possible. So... I think it's worth sharing. That's hilarious. I love it. Send us your favorite conspiracy theories. What are your favorite conspiracy theories? I wonder if Jesse did an episode on Stephen Hawking. I'm sure he did three. I did three seasons. (laughs) I almost said he did. (laughs) I forgot. You know what I used to be a sponsor for? Miller Lite. That's That's a real thing. Less filling tastes great. Cheers to that. I love it. Pause for a second. Speaking of that. Yes. We will be right back after a word from our brand new sponsor. <laughs> hey, jerks. It's me, Governor Body here, to tell you about a brand new service I have for all of you. Are you sick and tired of those pay-for-drive services like Lyft and Uber? Well, have I got something for you. It's called Vince McVan. That's right, Vince McVan. <laughs> he uses my images. I'm going to use his name now. Do you want to be driven around by a 70-year-old billionaire with protein bars in the back of the car? Well, that's what I've got for you. You can look outside and just enjoy the wonders of four-legged creatures outside, like spiders. Yeah, I've seen spiders with four legs. You don't know. I was a Navy SEAL. Vietnam. Yeah, exactly. I was in Vietnam. Thank you for your service. You'll be thanking me for this service. That's Vince McVan. Tell it. I I fucked it up again. That's all right. Commercials are one take. Now back to 10 count wrestling. Not for said they're not. (laughs) That's pretty good. I've got way too many of those. So every once in a while, I will throw in a message. I couldn't tell if that was on top of your head or not. So, so it, it kind of was. Like, I, I wrote down a few notes. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to make sure that I say Governor Body, because mm-hmm. that's what I'm now going to call my Jesse character. <laughs> Governor Body here. Governor Gotta Body. Gotta say thank you for your service. All of my products are going to have Vince Mick in them. <laughs> I have a new body solutions place. It's called Vince McTan. You'll hear that commercial soon. Don't worry about it. Right. Vince had some bags under his eyes last night, didn't he? He did. He what looked, was up with he that? He looked like a 70-year-old billionaire. Yeah, I figured that you know, a little surgery or sleep could fix that, though. He's, he usually looks pretty good. Maybe he needs a sleep apnea machine. I'll call the geniuses and we'll come up with one. <laughs> I All can't right. think of it yet. <laughs> I, was just, I was in the car driving, obviously, because that's what you do in a fucking car. <laughs> I, I, people say, who was in the car driving? Right. No shit. Yeah. What, were you, you're jerking off? No, you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> but I just started, I was doing the, the Ventura thing, and I was like, ah, Vince, because, like, he sued Vince for, like, using him in 
yeah. DVDs and all that shit. And right, I was like, right. well, what if what if Jesse started selling products and just called them Vince Mick something? Right. And I was like, Vince Mick Van. Because I saw a yeah. lift sticker in front of me. It's called That's One. That's awesome. Was, what rhymes with Vince? Tan, Vince McMahon's tan. <laughs> Come on down to Vince McTan. Get your body right. Yeah. I'll have to the consult that, your... Uh... The shit that happens when I'm in my own head alone in the car. Right. That's good, though. That's it's... basically where this podcast is. What's cycling? From. Yeah, right? That's so funny. <sighs> well, Vince can consult your sister-in-law on opening the restaurant called... Uh, not Rachel Green. Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Thank That's you. Right. I had it backwards. Welcome to my restaurant. It's called Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. She was my sister-in-law's name all throughout that stupid show. How do six people live in those apartments with their jobs? She's, yes. That's a good point. Fuck you. That's ridiculous. McMahon. Right. McMahon. Now we're talking about friends. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Moving on. So it's listy time. Wow. The top ten one-on-one feuds of all time. Yeah. I had fun with this Ah, uh, me too. Putting it in order was really hard for me. I agree. Because I was like, what the fuck? And then I moved things around. I was like, yeah. man, I'm going to get some heat for moving this one. Yeah. And in the end, I had to, you know. The, the criteria I tried to go off of was the length of feud, the memorable matches. Right. You know, the kind of the backstory that played on it. The positive effect on the business yep. and like the payoff of it. Right. So those were kind of you know my um, algorithm for it. Yeah. I mean, as you'll see, I clearly don't don't follow it all the way through. Right. Because I went with my gut on some of it, but sure. Um, and I, I always try to keep the voice of the non-expert, as I'll call it. And I you know I don't consider myself an expert either. I think you have, have a very deep knowledge, but I try to keep the man on the street. Type view on it. Some of these I would. The McMahon on the street. <laughs> the, yeah. Time for a new segment. Ask the McMahon on the street. Sir, what do you think is the greatest feud of all time? Right. Antonio Inoki versus Max Moon. <laughs> think about it. Rick Martel versus. Uh, Shawn know. Michaels. They had one match and you couldn't punch him yeah. in the face. Rick Martel versus the model as they feuded for like seven years. So. Cool. I will let you All right. go. My number 10. Um, and I guess unless it's like, I'll say unless it's top three. Okay. We won't do like the raise your hand thing because there's only two of us. Yep. Um, I'm on board with that. My number 10 is, you guessed it during trivia time, Ric Flair versus Sting. Wow. It's my number three. Oh, shit. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> All right. Put a little star next to that. And side note. Not to spoil it, it is my only WCW feud. So, um, but we'll talk about that later. I'm sure you we'll have talk a about, We'll talk about that later. All right. Um, and I completely agree with you. I changed my order a few times, um, and I have 10 honorable mentions. But I'm pretty happy with my delineation between 10 or maybe 11 and the rest of them. And my number 10, I moved it down today, actually. Ooh. It is Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. Wow, didn't even make my list. No? You mentioned it, and it's a great one. I didn't even consider it. Yeah. So I think there's a couple things that make this great to me. Um, You and I are both um, amateur wrestlers by way of, you know, many years ago. Obviously not to the level of Angle and Lesnar. But, you know, Lesnar is an NCAA finalist. Kurt Angle is an Olympic champion. 
I think he won it with a broken freaking neck. He did win it with a broken freaking neck. There are rumors, by the way, that they they kind of sparred in the ring one time, and Angle took him down. I mean, they were both heavyweights, although Angle's I've much heard lighter. Of that. It's it's much like the uh, the Rocky versus Apollo third fight at right. the end of uh, Rocky three. Right. It's not. Uh, it's it's not confirmed or denied. Um, it's a, is it a conspiracy, <laughs> man? <laughs> right. So, um, so it starts back in way back in two thousand three. Lesnar wins the two thousand three Royal Rumble. I was um, there. Oh, that's right, that's right. And then he defeats uh, Angle at WrestleMania nineteen, and you know, in the famous. I think it made my honorable mentions or made my top ten WrestleMania matches or WWE uh, title, match, title yeah. matches at WrestleMania. Um, I think if he lands that... Way back episode three. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's that's a ways ago. And, uh, you know, it started with the amateur background, all that type of stuff. Um, so then Angle goes away for a bit. And I gave points to ones that sort of simmered and then they, they you know, there's a rush again. Um he wins the title back in a triple threat versus um, Lesnar, and I think it was Big Show. Um, but after that, Lesnar is kind of siding with Les uh, with Angle, but then he turns on him with with uh, Vince's help, and then they have the uh, iconic Iron Man match in SmackDown. Yeah, SmackDown 2003 rated one of the great matches in SmackDown history. Um, they go on to have um, you know the Survivor Series match, Team Lesnar versus Team Angle. Obviously not one on one, but it it had enough heat that they could do that, right? It right. wasn't it wasn't Raw versus SmackDown. Um, then they almost, you know, this was sort of um, like feuds that we'll mention in the in the future on this list. I'm sure they sort of kind of intersected and didn't necessarily intersect. They almost they had it on the card in New Japan in like 2007 or 2008, I think it was. Um, and it even continues to this day um, when Angle, as the GM, said Brock Lesnar is a terrible champion or whatever the right. phrase was. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily over. Um, I think they're two um, incredibly athletic, talent, athletically talented guys. I love Angle. Um, I think Lesnar's compelling. So, um, yeah, Angle and Lesnar. Good choice. Can't be mad at that. Cool. My number nine... I feel like I feel like someone just pressed the big red button in the White House because Uh-oh. my number nine is the immortal Hulk Hogan versus anybody got a peanut Andre the Giant. Uh, it is actually not on my list. Okay, an honorable mention. Good. Um, I mean, in reality, they only had about five matches, right. but this is one of those ones that was so yeah etched into my brain. As a yep. kid, you know, it started in Piper's Pit. I'm talking to you. Right. And Andre, you know, they were friends, and Andre never asked for a title shot. And, you know, they had their big match that really cemented WWE as the place to be at WrestleMania three right. in Pontiac, Michigan. 93,173 people. <laughs> um, then the first ever Survivor Series, they had the... Match number two, even though it was a five-on-five, five, Thrive to Survive. And right. Andre won that. Yep. And then at the main event, February 1988, Andre won the title with the two Earl Hebners. Or the yep. two Hebners, I That's should say. That's right. And then WrestleMania four, they had a match. Um, 
in the second round of the 14-man WWF title tournament mm-hmm. and then a double disqualification. Right. And then really their last big match against each other was uh, SummerSlam 9, 1988, which I think was the first SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. It was um, the Mega Bucks versus the Mega Powers. Right. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Me and the Hulkster against Ted DiBiase and the Giant, yeah. But, I mean, this is, this is one of those ones that, you know, it was the biggest WrestleMania up until that point, obviously, and until really 2001 as far as spectacle and mm-hmm. any other, you know, if you adjust for inflation, I'm sure any metric, you know, up until WrestleMania 17, mm-hmm. you know, first SummerSlam main event was these two. The first Survivor Series main event was these two. I really feel like, yeah. you know, as far as the payoff goes, it made the WWE what it is today. And, you know, part of me, you know, I'm 34. Part of this was the three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. That was like Andre and Hogan, man. Andre and Hogan. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those iconic right. feuds. No, it's huge. I just ran out of space on my list, and and I think the justification was if you were to add up the total in ring time that they were actually in the ring together. Good point. It's it's not huge, but I you there's no denying the legacy. I never thought of it in terms of main eventing, you know, three of the four major pay per views as we know them today. I think that's a great point. So, I you know I I love both guys. Um, you know, Andre was my number one international star. Um, Hogan, I'm a total mark for since right. since day one, so I can't hate it. And actually, I just remembered this. It's not on my notes. Um, they had a contract signing for yep. their February main event match where Andre won the title at the first Royal Rumble. So they were oh. a major part of the first Royal Rumble team. That's right. So extra points Good for my point. brain. Good point, because that was like a... That wasn't really a pay per view. That first Royal Rumble, it was like right. a Saturday Night's Main Event type, of, but it wasn't. An, it wasn't it was the first different. Royal Rumble. Right. Andre was number three, right, and eliminated himself when Jake came to the ring after being eliminated a little bit after number ten. That's yeah. about right. Brain. Wow, Brain. that's awesome. It's a great moment too because Demolition starts one and two, yeah. and like you think they're gonna just turn turn and beat on whoever comes out, and it's Andre. Yeah, so. Yeah, Tom. I'm <laughs> All right. Your number nine. My number nine is Mick Foley versus Triple H. Oh, my fuck. I forgot about that. <laughs> and what the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah. It's one of those things that um, this one stuck out to me. I happened to see a promo recently on Instagram or something, um, which I'll get to. But it, it starts... Uh, it had kind of two runs. Um, in 1997, King of the Ring. Yep. Uh, I think Hunter they're Hearst Helmsley. Hunter Hearst Helmsley, right. This is in the finals of the King of the Ring, I believe. And this is sort of the beginning of Hunter starting to get a little nasty. He was like, he, he, he gets a little low. He has China with him. Right. Pedigrees him through the announce table. Um, then they, they have uh, another match at Canadian Stampede that July. Huge brawl, double count out, and then they're feuding throughout the show, really. Um, then SummerSlam 97, which this match made my list of SummerSlam matches, the Blue Steel Cage match. Great fucking cage match. It was awesome. And Foley flying through the air. Right. Um, you know, they had a lot of um, stipulation matches. There was not very many uh, regular one-on-one right. matches. Right. And, and was that, that was it for a little while, right? That was it. And then they go in different directions, but then 2000 comes... <sighs> 
And maybe Triple H's best year. Yeah. And this is when Triple H, you know, really starting with this little push that I think Foley helps give him. Um, you know, he's at his like, you know, heelish best. Um, and they're they're starting to have um more stipulation fights. There was a two thousand uh, Royal Rumble street fight, but I think it was either before this or right after this and then before the next match where Mankind comes out and he says you know, he can't make the match against Triple H, but he knows somebody who can. Rips off the mask, rips off the shirt, and it's Cactus Jack, of course, and yeah. the place goes absolutely crazy. They did that twice. <clears throat> really? Um, and again, it's not even on my list, so this is just my beautiful, big, <laughs> big old wrestling brain. So, yeah, they did Cactus Jack at the Royal Rumble, and that match was unfucking believable. Right. But back in the, during the 98 part of the feud, they were at Madison Square Garden, and they did a really cool thing up on the Titantron where Mankind's talking about Hunter Hearst Elmley's just too good for him. <laughs> and the dude was a lover, not a fighter, man, but he knew one cat that could get down and dirty. And he said, Cactus Jack is back. And Triple H sold it like he was, He yeah, just saw like he, like, the <laughs> devil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry to jump in. No, but, that's know, fine. I just, it, I just remember it happened twice, and it was awesome it, both times I did it. It's it's great because Cactus Jack, he's going to that different level, right? Um, the 2000 Royal Rumble Street Fight, if you've never seen it, is is nasty. I mean, they, they talk about blood. That could lead to a future episode. Top yeah. 10... Non Rumble matches at Rumble. Right, that's a good one. That might be number one. Spoilers. Right, everybody. that's that's a good one. And then, then they had the sort of blow off is the the month later they have the No Way Out Hell in a Cell match, um, and Foley gets backdrop through the cage again. Um, that was planned that time. Yeah, exactly. Because the ring collapsed and fucking that's not really gonna happen. Right, exactly. So I mean, just just brutal matches. They kick the hell out of each other. By the way. Those were just the one-on-one matches. They had a million triple threats and fatal four-ways. And right. um, I think WrestleMania, maybe 15, they were involved in that uh, fatal four-way. I forget what year it was. 13? That's supposed to be oh. six. I can't do fucking numbers. <laughs> WrestleMania 16. Or WrestleMania 2000. Boy. Right, right. When they had the Let's fatal four-way. Let's be fucking millennials. So. Boy, 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 boy. Right. So, um, yeah. It's a good one. I fucking forgot about it and I'm mm. mad at myself. Because mm. I'm looking at my number seven and we're not there yet, but I'm like, fuck you, number seven. Oh, well. No, that's all right. No, sure. My number eight mm-hmm. is not a WWE feud. Okay. It's not even a WCW feud. Wow. We're going to ECW. <laughs> Tommy Dreamer versus Raven. Wow. The fucking only reason anybody knows what ECW is right. is because of Tommy Dreamer versus Raven. Stevie Richards was feuding with Tommy Dreamer. None of this is on my notes, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Tommy Dreamer um, was feuding with Stevie Richards, and he's like, I'm going to bring in my friend. He's coming to get you. And he's like, he's not Johnny Polo. He's not Scotty the Body anymore. Mm-hmm. He's Raven. And out comes this, this fucking derelict, this, this human piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> in a fucking uh, offspring t-shirt and yeah. a leather jacket and a flannel jacket and ripped jeans. Yeah. Just looking like... Yeah, Raven was great. Just looking like Seattle threw up on Portland. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck is this? Um, and like, they built a beautiful backstory. Um, you know, 
Raven and Tommy Dreamer grew up to get going to summer camp together, mm-hmm. and they brought in Tommy Dreamer's eventual real life wife Beulah McGillicuddy as the fat girl at camp. Tommy Dreamer, no way, wouldn't um, give the time of day because yeah. here's the one part that didn't make sense. Fat fucking Tommy Dreamer was a jock in their storyline. Right. He's a fat fuck. Um, but so, like, she sided with Tommy, with Raven, yeah. because of that. And, like, Raven would abuse her and push her around. And that's how they introduced the Queen of Extreme Francine with that. Like, mm-hmm. she was a fan that was in love with Stevie Richards. And Raven would always abuse Stevie. She'd be like, it's me or him, Stevie. I'm sick of this. Blah, 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 blah. And Stevie, you know, when the good guy, like, hulks up and he, right. I'm going to, I'm going to fucking, I'm finally going to hit you. Right. Super kicks Francine. No. Fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. That's great. Um, you know, the Dudley Boys, the BWO, the Eliminators, 911, Fonzie, calling it right down the middle, daddy. Right. All of this was part of the feud. It went on for two years without Raven losing once. Right. Tommy Dreamer just couldn't beat Raven, and he couldn't beat Raven, and he couldn't beat Raven. Mm-hmm. Everything, ECW was beautiful back before people figured it out, right. because they would have this one storyline, Raven versus Dreamer, and then all of a sudden the tag team would interfere and help Raven. Let's say it was the Dudleys, and then RBD would interfere with Sabu to help Dreamer. So now the Dudleys and RBD and Sabu are feuding. Then the Sandman would get involved. Then Shane Douglas and the Triple Threat would get involved. Mm-hmm. It was fucking a work of art. It, yeah. was, it was beautiful. Dreamer finally beat Raven at Barely Legal 1997, the first ever ECW pay-per-view. Okay. Um, because Raven was going to WCW. Okay. I'm sorry. That's incorrect. Um, it wasn't the first pay-per-view because Raven... Lost to Terry Funk in the title match, <laughs> but it was a li- it was like maybe a month later. Raven was leaving, and Dreamer finally beat him. Okay. And Dreamer and Raven, Dreamer and Raven were pissed. They're like, "No, I'm going to WCW, but I'll be back. And if I come back, right, I he still hasn't fucking beaten me. We right. have something you know to work towards." And then when Raven eventually went back to ECW. The Dudleys were, it was the Dudleys' last day, and mm-hmm. Raven had quit ECW, WCW. Mm-hmm. Dreamer was in a two-on-one feud with the Dudleys trying to protect ECW. Okay. And he challenged them to a two-on-one tag title match. Out comes Raven. No way. To say, Dreamer couldn't see. Out comes Raven. So this was 1999. Mm-hmm. Three and a half years after the feud had started. Out right. comes Raven to save Tommy Dreamer. Dreamer doesn't realize it. Raven, Raven drops Bubba, pins him, gives Dreamer the tag title, and Dreamer's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and they still were feuding, but they were tag team champions. Really? Oh, that's to make funny. It, to make it even sillier, and then we'll move on, <laughs> cut to 2004. Wow. Nine years after the feud started, mm-hmm. Raven's feuding with the greatest... Wrestler not named Shawn Michaels of all time, CM Punk. And they're in a blood feud. I didn't want to go too indie on anybody, but yeah. Raven versus Dreamer was a blood... Uh, versus Punk was a blood feud, and it's beautiful. Huh. And they had a dog collar match, and they were so smart. They, they were in Philly. They brought out Danny Doring, and the fans were pissed. They're like, this is who you brought out as a big surprise? Right, right. And um, Punk's about to beat Raven, and out comes Dreamer. To oh, save wow. Raven. And they tie, they hug, and they tie Punk to the ring ropes, and they pour beer in his mouth. Oh, Punk, yeah. is, Punk is legit straight edge, but he's like, yeah, I'm just not going to swallow it, but yeah. I'll do it for the fucking gimmick right, because right, I'm right. a professional. Right. And it was just beautiful. And I have, 
I have two DVDs that if you want to watch, I'll, I'll lend you because they're fucking yeah. beautiful. One is a shoot interview. It's called Face Off. Thank you, Rob Feinstein. <laughs> Face Off, Raven and Tommy Dreamer. And it's like a three-hour tape of them just talking about their feud. Really? Just like With... step by step by step. It's really? fucking beautiful. That's awesome. And then I have a two-disc set. Thank you, Rob Feinstein. Of every like every big match of their feud. It's two-disc oh, wow. set. It's like... 15 hours it's oh my like goodness all of their matches and every promo and wow. everything from their feud it's beautiful it, it's art yeah Raven versus Dreamer is art but it's not main stage so that's yeah. why it's so low down on my list gotcha obviously not on my list uh, but it, just a blind spot for me I do love both of those guys um Dreamer was always kind of a cup of coffee guy when he was around in WWE Raven not much better frankly besides his hardcore runs and and maybe some Johnny Polo stuff, but um, yeah, that's good. When we do, eventually we're going to do, I've got a handful of ideas for after the new year. When we get to top 10 greatest talents to get fucked royally by WWE, yeah. and I'll have a better title for it, of course, <laughs> Raven will be very high up there because he was so good. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, cool. Your number eight. My number eight, oh boy. Uh-oh. Are we in blow-up mode? My, you know, it's become a tradition here on 10 Count. The King of Hearts, Owen Hart versus Brett, the Hitman Hart. All right. It's only my number three, so not too much of a blow-up. Okay, we'll wait, though. So we'll get there. Um, number seven. This is the one that now that you mentioned Triple H and Mankind, I'm pissed okay. that I forgot about that one. Um I'm going with John Cena. Yep. Mm. John Cena made a best of list for me. He sneaks in there once in a while for you. John he, Cena versus Edge. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. It, it's uh, not that, on my I, list, but it's a good I one. I was like reflecting. I'm like, fucking John Cena and Edge yeah. had a great feud. Yeah. You know, it was the it, it involved the first ever Money in the Bank cash-in. Yeah. Um, you know, it established Edge as a main eventer. Mm-hmm. Because while he was on the precipice of it, he needed someone to put him over. Yeah. And as much as I'll shame John Cena for burying people like the Nexus and Alex Riley, and mm-hmm. I could go on and on, but I'm not going to, I promise. <laughs> um, he put Edge over and, yeah. you know, established Edge as a real threat to someone like a John Cena. And it, and it pushed Edge into, and this is another, re- I don't have it on my notes, but I just thought of it. It pushed Edge into a high caliber feud with The Undertaker. Yeah. And the only reason Edge and The Undertaker is not on my list is because he wouldn't have that feud if it weren't for this one. So this one's bigger than it. Yeah. Um, you know, they had the TLC match in Toronto. They had that beautiful SummerSlam match in Boston when I got covered in somebody's soda because I was happy that right. Edge pinned Cena. That's right. Um I was there for that one, too. Lita got involved, and it just established her slut character even more. Like, it just brought out, because you know how much I love just, like, a fucking piece of shit heel. Yeah. And it it established Edge. As much as Matt Hardy and Edge, like, set the tone for Mm -hmm. him being a piece of shit. Yeah. This feud really set the stage for he is a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. I love a good piece of shit heel. Yeah, and this was... um... If my timing is correct, maybe 07, 08, 09, is that right? Uh, or is it later than that? Da, 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 that uh, uh, so Wrestle, WrestleMania 21 was in 05. Okay. So so Edge won Money in the Bank at yeah. WrestleMania 21 and 05. He yep. cashed in New Year's Revolution in 06. Gotcha. So yeah, 06, 07, 08. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that was when I sort of start, I got back into it a little bit to, at the end of college. And uh, they helped me stick around because I thought um, it, they were both very compelling. So I no, – no uh, hesitation on my end. I like it. Tremendous. Ah, tremendous. <laughs> As Raven would say, tremendous. tremendous. All right. My number seven. Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels. Am I blowing anybody up here? That was an honorable mention. Okay. Um, Fucking great, though. It was brilliant. yours, my friend. So they they have a WrestleMania 19 match. Um, and, you know, this is in... How's my math here? Maybe 2003. Okay. Um, I think it was... Yeah. So... 20 was in 84. Gotcha. Which was the year I turned 20. So that's how yeah. I... I just go backwards from 20. Right. I'm like, okay, so... Right. So, yeah, maybe I have the timeline a bit goofed up. But they... Basically, the, the feud was Shawn Michaels idolized Chris... Excuse me. Chris Jericho idolized Shawn Michaels. I would have had that completely... Another done. Canadian that wanted to be Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> So, I mean, they both, they look alike, you know, Jericho's younger, um, you know, he used to emulate him. Basically, you know, he was a total mock for him. And, you know, they have their kayfabe moments, and then at the end of the match, Michaels uh, wins it, which WrestleMania 19 is an underrated WrestleMania, in my opinion, but we'll talk about that differently. It really is. It's a, it's a good one. Matt Hardy and Mysterio. Yeah. Fucking Triple H and Booker T. Yep. Austin and Hall. It's a fucking good WrestleMania. That was 18. My bad. Austin and Rock Part 3. But it was a good fucking WrestleMania. Yeah. And um, it it, it was a huge match. And like he, he, uh, Jericho holds up Michael's um, hand after the win and everything. But then he knees him right in the, in the cojones, right? Um, Right in the little Sean's. Right. And then, there is a bit of a delay, if I'm not mistaken. He did win. Uh, Y2J won a battle royal to pick his uh, number in the Royal Rumble. Yep. So he took number uh, two to basically be like Shawn Michaels. He wanted to prove Michaels wrong. Right. That might Michaels won from one. He's like, I don't want to. Right. I don't want to. Yeah. Whatever right. the fuck he wanted. He was like, you've already been one, so I'm going to do two. Right. So that was, by the way, in 2003. So that was. I'm, I'm kind of going backwards in the storyline. Boston, Massachusetts. Right. I was there. Right. Then then they go their separate ways for basically five years. Yeah. And this sort of simmers after he needs him in the groin. They don't really do much after that. If I'm mis- Maybe they, they did a um, backlash They had a backlash triple uh, six-man tag match, which in a roundabout way I'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was in Worcester. Um, it was Triple H... Rick Flair and Jericho against Michaels, Nash, and Booker T. Yeah, that was the same pay per view that had The Rock versus Goldberg, Lesnar versus Cena, Big gotcha. Show versus Ray. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. From my fucking beautiful brain, my friend. That was impressive. That was impressive. I really need to get a life. <laughs> so this thing simmers for a few years. Um, Jericho has a highlight reel where HBK basically comes on and. And lies about an injury. Then he comes back a couple weeks later, and 
Jericho's a face at this time, if I'm remembering correctly. This was around the time when Michaels retired Ric Flair and everybody right. was mad at him, right? Right, that's right. Okay, yep. That's right. And so Jericho basically goes, you know, so you lied to me, you lied again, all this stuff. And um, he smashes his face through the Jeritron 6000, which is a great moment. I think Michaels tried to jump through it. <laughs> he tried to pull the Marty Jannetty right. and tried to jump through it. Um, so then they have a, a trio of, of really great matches. Um, they, they trade off basically referee stoppages because they kick the shit out of each other so yep. much. Jericho killed HPK uh, at the Great American Bash. Sean then basically th- says he's going to retire. Jericho says, I want credit. I'm the man who retired you, all this stuff. And then um, Jericho goes to punch Michaels and punches HBK's wife out, which is... Fucking amazing. Great storyline moment. Like, it was an accident, yeah. obviously, but fucking amazing. He, he punched her right in the mouth, and um, they were, Sean was legit pissed about it, but what I've read, and, and, and Jericho obviously felt terrible, and Michael's wife thought it was fucking awesome. She, <laughs> she Do you know it. her quote? No. Is that all you got? It's basically what you said. Like, if you're going to bring it, fucking bring it. Right. Is that all you got, bro? That's awesome. Yeah. So it... And Former Mike, Nitro Girl Whisper, by the way. That's right. That's right. And after she gets knocked out like that, and Michaels is like shaking, and he's like, you know, covering her and all this stuff. Um, so then Michaels destroys Jericho at Unforgiven with another referee stoppage. Then... The blow-off to the whole feud is a ladder match for the title at No Mercy, which Jericho thinks is like... I mean, he loves his feud. If you ever hear his podcast, he talks about it all the time. Yeah, very proud of that match in particular where Jericho wins and goes over because he's... That's the match where he broke his tooth, yeah? I think you're right, yeah. That is the match that is responsible for the no-blood thing we've got going right now. Gotcha. Because of everything that... um, Happened in it, you know. They they blood like bled like stuck pigs. <laughs> um, the one thing about that feud that pisses me off is Vince. Even after Jericho punched Rebecca in the mouth, mm-hmm. Vince felt that the feud needed the title. Yeah, and they took the belt off a of Punk without beating him. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was that's a good point. I mean, they had enough heat. Um, Behind the feud, and they're both compelling enough. Like like I've said a hundred times in this podcast, you don't need a title if if sometimes not having a title is a, is a compliment. And they didn't need it, but right, absolutely. I, you know, um, just to go back real quick to Backlash 2003. <laughs> Listen to this fucking card. It was actually you know, say what you will. I think it was actually a great card. Scott Steiner defeated Rico in their dark match. Mm-hmm. Rico could work. Haas and Benjamin versus Eddie and Chavo. Okay. Like 15 minutes. Wow. Sean O'Hare with Ronnie Piper in his corner defeated Rikishi. Okay. RVD and Kane defeated the Dudley Boys with Chief Morley, a.k.a. Val Venus, as the referee. <laughs> Jazz Morley. defeated Trish Stratus for the Women's Championship. Okay. Big Show defeated Rey Mysterio. That's the match where they strapped him to a stretcher. Oh, and then God. Big Show swung it like a baseball bat. That was bat. hilarious. Um, the triple threat, I mean, the six-man tag that I talked about, <laughs> Brock Lesnar defeated rapping John Cena in 15 minutes, and then Goldberg defeated The Rock in the main event in 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, a pretty, a pretty decent fucking 
Yeah. Part. I mean, it, it wasn't bad. Yeah. Yeah, this is when they, they were really saturated in pay-per-views. Yeah, um, this was the close to like 18 a year or something. Right. Like it was it was too much. But, um, you know, this feud certainly helped. For sure. Cool. Um, my number six is Rocky Maivia versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Really? Wow. Yes. Um, I figured when I said The Rock, you thought I was going to say somebody else's Right. Um, this feud, again, much like, you know, you know, this spans different eras. This match, you know, really this feud started as Rocky Maivia, you know, with the big poofy fucking hair. Right. Against um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah. The Rock, uh, Rocky, I'm going to say Rocky, the Rock Interchangeable, even though it's different eras, I can't help myself. Right. Rocky won the Intercontinental title from Hunter at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. Wow. Monday Night Raw. Excellent. Um, they had their iconic, you know, SummerSlam match in 1998, the ladder mm-hmm. match. That was, you know, the DX versus uh, the Nation feud, which other than Vince versus... Um, Steve, like that was the feud that kept them going, you know, right. on the undercard, I think. Right, right. Um, you know, what, what I thought really made this feud important was it took two mid level stars, guys, yeah. and brought them to the main event level. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, and I have this in my notes, um, you know, they, they carried the WWF with mm-hmm. HBK and Austin and Undertaker being injured. Like, with the help of like Foley, you know, these two really elevated things mm-hmm. um, it felt like they didn't that they actually didn't like each other yeah you know like some feuds you can be like oh they're friends right but like these like like Sean and Brett mm-hmm. like, like they fucking hate each other right um, I felt the same thing about these two when you, yeah when you have two guys that are roughly the same age on that trajectory and they both know they're heading for a collision course it's a great point um, and, and I have this this point Without Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Rocky Maivia is not The Rock. He's still Rocky oh. Maivia. Okay. Without Rocky Maivia, Hunter Hearst Helmsley doesn't become Triple H. Hmm. If that makes sense. It makes sense. It makes like, total if sense. If Hunter Hearst Helmsley feuded with D'Lo Brown, he's still Hunter. Like, right. Does his talent get him out of that? Probably, but these two, these two made each other. Right. Is what is how I feel. Um, yeah. And I, I just fucking realized. It's probably on your list, so when you bring it up, I'll get to it. But I just fucking realized I completely left a really good feud off my list. There's so many. But but I don't, now that I think about it, in reality, they maybe only had like three actual matches. Right. So I feel better about it, but I feel like an asshole right now. No, but it's fine because they're, um, there's so many, and we sort of did, I did this where, you know, I could do, you could probably do five Shawn Michaels feuds or five Triple H feuds on this. And you, you can only, right. you want to highlight a guy once or twice. Um, yeah, that's so, a very good point. Like Triple H made my list yeah, twice. And if right. I did Mankind and Triple H, would have made it three times. So. Right. So there's that poetic license. Yeah. Um, like I say every week, it's not, it's not actually very easy to make these lists. You, you'll you'll agonize about it and say you know like I mean I've had some that there's a test like, it's easy like <laughs> right um, yeah not in the Hall of Fame right only this number one was fucking easy right for right. me you right. know disappointing rumblers was a tough one you know we had fun <laughs> with that one um, yeah no some of them are more obvious and, and you know this one like a like a 
best SummerSlam matches, you could have 50 of them, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. No, I, I like the reasoning behind that one. Um, I think that um, their SummerSlam match in particular was great, so I like it. Your my number six. My number six. Kind of iconic. Maybe not that many matches together. Maybe this is what you were talking about. Is Undertaker versus Mick Foley. And you were raising your hand. Raising my hand. We're in blow up mode. We'll get there. <laughs> we are in blow up mode. All right. All right. You know what time it is for now? It is for now. Is that the fucking <laughs> What time it is now? There we go. It's time for... Yeah, I'm mixing sentences again. It's been a long day. <laughs> hardcore halftime. Nice. This week's Hardcore Halftime. Your top three Jesse Ventura movie roles. Wow. I love the body on this show. Honestly, here, here's the thing. I am terrible with movies. Okay. I'm not even sure I can name... Obviously, Predator is number one in my eyes. I don't think I've ever seen him in another movie. I don't think I can even name him. So his IMDb has a shitload. Okay. But I I came up with five that I fucking love, and they're movies that I love to watch. Um, One of the movies is terrible, and two of the movies are terrible. Um, So my number five... Is he in Suburban Commando, by the way? He's not. He's in a movie very similar to Suburban Commando. So my number five is his role as Arkham Asylum guard in the Arnold Schwarzenegger Batman and Robin film. (laughs) Hey, Iceman. You're ready to chill. Arnold is in a Batman and Robin? Arnold Schwarzenegger fucking plays Mr. Freeze. Oh, that's right. All right, everybody. Chill. (laughs) Chill. So they've been in two movies together, by the way. Oh, actually, three movies. For those of you coming at home... The governor of California has been in three movies with the governor of Minnesota. <laughs> We're changing the world, McMahon. I love him. Number four, he played a cryocon, a.k.a. a defrosted convict, in <laughs> Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes' Demolition Man. Have you ever seen Demolition Man? No. <gasps> You've never seen Demolition Man? No. You might have to do a special, it has nothing to do with something to, uh, something to wrestle. Has nothing to do with ten count wrestling viewing. Okay, I wow. Time the fuck out. <laughs> We're gonna record this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna learn I'm gonna learn streaming something right on the air. Wow, Demolition Man. So Demolition Man, is and a, I love um, is a 1993 film directed by Marco Brimbilla. It's his directorial debut. He's made all other fine works such as Excess Baggage, mm-hmm. which is a terrible fucking movie <laughs> with Alicia Silverstone and Benicio Del Toro and Christopher Walken. It's fucking terrible. But Demolition Man, 1993. This is straight from Wikipedia. The plot. I, I can't do the plot because Wikipedia does the whole thing. Right. Here's a synopsis. The film tells the story of two men, an evil crime lord, uh, Wesley Snipes. Okay. As Simon Phoenix, by the way, that's his fucking name, name, and a risk-taking police officer that are cryogenically frozen in 1996. (laughs) They're restored to life in the year 2032 to find mainstream society has changed with all crime being eliminated. 
So it's basically like a dystopian yeah. future where crime, you know, graffiti, cursing, mm-hmm. sex for any reason other than procreation, yeah. fast food, beer, all, all the good stuff in life is Gone. abolished. Wow. Um, Fucking pure. And so someone's trying to take over this... Sounds like Western Massachusetts. It really does. Someone's trying to take over this wonderful utopia and like ruin things. So he thaws out Wesley Snipes' Simon Phoenix. And so they're like, the only way we can do something about this is star of Sylvester Stallone. Because he's the only way to fight a 1996 criminal. He's the 1996 cop. (laughs) So Sylvester Stallone plays John Spartan. Mm-hmm. Originally, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal were both offered the lead and turned it down. Jackie Chan was offered the Wesley Snipes role and turned it down because he didn't want to play the film. Which makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. That's brilliant. Imagine Jackie Chan and Steven Seagal. No. Uh, Sandra Bullock plays Lieutenant Lelina Lenina Huxley. She's like this Big bubbly... Big Bullock fan. She's like a bubbly... You love her. She's like a cute bubbly cop that's obsessed with 90s culture. Gotcha. She listens to a radio station that plays jingles from, like, our time. Oh, really? Like, the Armor Hot Dog song is a hit yeah. song on this radio station. <laughs> it's great. Right. Um, Benjamin Bratt's in it. De- Dennis Leary plays Edgar Friendly. He's the leader of, like, these sewer-dwelling people that, like, want to eat beef and drink beer and just, like, they're the rebels. <laughs> um, me. Like, yeah. Who else is in it? Um, I'd be in the sewer if it was it's, 2030. It's so great. Jack Black is in it as oh, a wow. wasteland scrap. <laughs> Rob Schneider plays Irwin. He's, like, he's like um He's like the tech guy in the police station. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse Ventura's in it. Fucking Otho from Beetlejuice. I don't mm-hmm. know his real name. Unfortunately, he's passed away. Okay. Um, He's in it, like it's wow. fucking great. It's such a good movie. I am putting it in my. Uh... We are going to do a special episode <laughs> of Ten Count Wrestling where we watch it and Justin reacts to the fucking movie as it's happening. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it's kind of hard to. Yeah, because I, I don't want to get sued, so maybe we'll maybe. watch it, and then we'll... Because we'll, I want to watch you watch that. Yeah, we'll do a we'll debrief. We'll watch it, and then we'll do a debrief on That's the upcoming amazing. episode. It's such a good movie. All right. Yes. All right. Um, number three, he played Jesse Ventura at the very beginning of Major League Two in the fake oh, trailer wow. for Black Hammer, White Lightning, when um, Omar Epps replaced Wesley Snipes' character. <laughs> That's amazing. I, you know, I haven't fake, seen Major League Two probably since I was. They did a fake movie trailer, and Jesse Ventura played White Lightning. <laughs> White Lightning. Number two, Blaine Cooper and Predator. Yeah, Predator is my number two. Wow. Because number one is my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie I've ever seen. It takes place in the dystopian future of night of two thousand seventeen. <laughs> Stop. Have you ever seen The Running Man? I have never seen The Holy Running Man. Holy shit! <laughs> so I'm not going to do a full, like, it's a, The Running Man takes place in 2017. <laughs> Last this, year. This is my favorite episode of the Tank Out Wrestling Podcast, because <laughs> I'm telling you about all these wonderful movies we have to watch together. Wow. It's 2017, and again, like, all violence and crime and all that has sure. gone away. But there's this TV show called The Running Man. And it's kind of like American Gladiators meets The Hunger Games. Okay. They take a criminal 
which in this case is Arnold Schwarzenegger's character. I'm not going to look up his name. It's super white, though. It's hilarious. <laughs> and he's the runner. And people like get to gamble. It's a game show. Okay. People get to gamble on like who they who should be the the gladiator. I forget what they call it. Um, fuck it. I'm going, I'm going to Wikipedia live <laughs> on the show. It's oh my god. It's 1987. There's runners and there's stalkers. That's what they're called, stalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, t- it starts in 2017, and there's an econ- uh, economic collapse. And there's game shows to like it's almost, it's almost like the Purge and yeah. the Hunger Games and American Gladiators all combined. Gotcha. Um, so Ben Richards, that's yeah, Arnold. Ben name. Richards. Because you get any whiter. Right. Ben Richards. Um, he was arrested for like a slaughter, which we find out. Thing, uh, I don't want to spoil. Yeah. Um, but he gets selected for the Running Man game show. The host of the Running Man. Is Richard Dawson no way. from The Family Feud as Damon Killian? It also Dawson. features Professor Toru Tanaka as Professor Sub Zero, so he's got like an ice gimmick. Okay. Gus Restwich as Eddie Buzzsaw Batowski. Jim Brown as Fireball. Guess what he does? Shoots fire. Yeah. And then Jesse Ventura as Captain Freedom. Captain um, I love You remember that. in American Gladiators when like Larry Zonka yeah. was like the guy that played football so he knew what the gladiators were going for? Right, right, right. Jesse Ventura has full-on uh, Trump hair. And he's wearing like a turtleneck and yeah. he's like, I'm the commentator, but I'm coming out of retirement for this episode of The Running Man. No. And he plays Captain Freedom and it's fucking amazing. That's amazing. He's got a full head of blonde hair. It's All right. the most I'm, beautiful thing ever. I, I have two must-watches that I somehow missed in, like I said, we. this is a topic for uh, Shoppers Cafe later, I think. I will tell you all the giant blockbusters I've never seen. It's actually kind of sad. That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> Movies Justin hasn't watched. Coming soon! Right. So, we can yeah. do a top 50 of that. So that was a big deviation, wow. but that's our longest... Yeah, hardcore halftime of all time. But I think right. I've educated you and the fans. Yeah, yeah. On great Jesse Ventura movies. Yeah, all right. I like it. Um, so back to the list. Yeah, number five. Number five. I feel like we can get into blow up mode here. Hulk Hogan made my list again. Yeah. I'm gonna do this. Yeah. Is that top three blow up? No, nope. that's, that's my number four. four? Okay. Hulk Hogan versus the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah, two iterations of the feud, mm-hmm. lasting between one lasting three years and the other sort of lasting six years. Yeah. Um, February third, nineteen eighty nine. They broke up after the main event. Um, you know, with uh, the Twin Towers, and they, you know, they had a heated feud really up yeah. until nineteen ninety one when they went their separate ways and yeah. Hulk. Wrestled the warrior and Macho Man became the Macho King. Uh huh. <laughs> of course, WrestleMania five. It's it's number five for me. You know the the childhood feelings mm-hmm. and you know the love hate between them, yeah. all that stuff. But really, they only had two big matches. Right. But because of like the feels and the business side of things, it's higher up for me. Right. You know, like if we were just going on in the ring, it would be much lower. Right. Because WrestleMania Five and SummerSlam '89. Right. Other than that, they didn't have a lot of big matches. You so, know what I mean? Yeah. So it'll go along with my reason that it's that it's high because 
one, there weren't as many pay-per-views, right? Right. That's, and, and that's and, a good... I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. That's a very good point, you know, when we look at, you know, Flair and Sting, um, which you and I are going to talk about soon, right. Andre and Hogan. Right. You know, there yes. there was an, an Owen versus Brett, which yeah. um, you brought up and yeah. we're going to talk about in a bit. No, There was no... But this is an overarching point, so it doesn't spoil any points that we we're going to make. There was no SmackDown. Yeah. There were not 12 pay-per-views a year, or in 08's case, like right. 18 or 19. <laughs> right. um, the business was a lot different. And yeah. I think that's a wonderful point as to why this is higher on the list. Yeah, they could, they could let it simmer, which... To me, like look at look at the Dean Ambrose Seth Rollins feud. They've had to accelerate it, and now it's like you know they've already had a giant match in a span of what six weeks or whatever right. it is. And they, they really did a lot of subtle stuff to before they even split. Right, um, you know they're all buddies, and and they even say like Hogan would do things like you know keep his hand on Elizabeth just a little bit longer than he should have. All the lust in your yeah. eyes type stuff. You got lust in your eyes. Right. Right. And then she takes that nasty bump um, on the Saturday night's main event. He ca- Hogan carries her back. And Tell that- me when we're on, brother. Right. We're on, fuckhead. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, they had the Ro- Hogan eliminate Savage in the Royal Rumble, but they kind of reconcile. Then that's the impetus for that moment. Where Hogan is like trying to take care of Elizabeth in the back, and Savage just loses it and, and right. hits him with the, uh, you know, the elbow, and it's, it, you know, I know they feuded later on in WCW. Yeah, um, it, that, that was my second. Yeah, piece. but um, it's it's just brilliantly written how they let this Hogan's in his corner for WrestleMania four, but then it, it it just slowly just blows up, and then they they're taking on each other and. And WrestleMania five and and I would I would add actually Jesse I think adds to this feud because he's such a savage guy. I add to everything. <laughs> Fuck and, you if you don't think I add to something. Right, and he trashes Hogan the whole time. And Savage did a great job carrying the title that whole year, but it was clear it was still Hogan's company at the time. Right. But it was believable enough. Uh, they had the friendship. They had the I have the Mega Powers T shirt for crying out loud. It's. If it weren't for me, there would only be 49 states. You're welcome. <laughs> right, right. Minneapolis. I, I just think that um, all my notes are about their first blowing up and, and the, the mega powers exploding. I'll, let you, I'll throw it back to you for the WCW stuff. Yeah, um, I think what made their WCW stuff so good was, you know, there's always an undertone of dislike. Right. You know, I, I call... I always say I... I got smart to wrestling later than I should have. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I always compare wrestling to Santa Claus. You know, right, right. we all just kind of want to believe. And there's a certain point where something happens like, oh, shit. Um, so, you know, obviously the mm-hmm. Powers, we were four, five, six years old. Mm-hmm. You know, unless we had a really asshole cousin. Right. It's like we still believe wrestling was, was a shoot and mm-hmm. not a work. Mm-hmm. You know... 9, 10, 11 years old, you're starting to figure it out, right. but you still want to believe. Um, and, that, and still, like, even, even when you, you, know, you know the score, sometimes things just don't seem to add up. And mm-hmm. that's what I feel their WCW feud was like, you know? Right. They had a bunch of... I wrote multiple bad matches in WCW, but, mm-hmm. like, they were together, but they weren't sure what Savage's motives were. Right. You know, would Hulk screw him to get the title like he always did? Right. Um, you know, 
was Savage in the Dungeon of Doom, you know, <laughs> or could Hogan trust him? With all and, of his former friends. And then Hogan betrayed Macho, of all people, for the NWO, that Macho joined the <clears throat> NWO. But were they really together? Right, right. You know, they did a lot of really good storytelling. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a, that. that tension underlying all the time with them. Yeah. I mean, Hogan, and then Savage goes and writes a friggin' rap song about him. Hulk Hogan, Hollywood <laughs> Holster, whatever your name is, brother, I'm coming after you. Well, think of your damn Hulk, something Saturday off. Saturday off used to be on that. I used to know the whole song. I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, we're, that's, that, that's all I got to say about that. That's all, yeah. No, I mean, two of the all time legends, um, and WrestleMania five. I think it was a great match, actually. I thought Hogan... Uh, One of Hogan's one. better matches, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Cool. Your number five. My number five, we haven't blown you up enough, is Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. It's my number four! Wow! I'm so happy I didn't blow up your number one! Wow, we flip-flopped those five and four, so we were dead on and there. I mean... I'm so happy I didn't blow... I was afraid I was... I don't know what your number one is now. Okay. Um... Maybe. I think I might. I think I might know, and, it, and I don't think it made my list. Wow! But I'm so happy I didn't fucking blow you up. Okay, good. Yay! I mean, not much one on one in the ring for these two. Um, a lot of handicap matches or the bounty on Stone Cold in the '99 Rumble. Um, they did have the steel cage match in '99, um, but Saint Valentine's Day Massacre. Right. Right. Thank you very much. And, but there was, you know, he brought in, Vince brought in everybody to try to stave off Austin, right? I think of the, the very first time um, Austin stuns him. Good God! <laughs> and Vince Good does the God. shaking, yeah. It's a great call from JR. It's an iconic moment. And it kicks off, really, what, three plus years of I have from 97 when you know you're not my intercontinental champion and all that shit when yep. um, Austin was feuding with somebody else yes I'm starting to put the pieces together I think I know what your number one is mm-hmm. um, up until Austin joined Vince at Wrestlemania 17 in 2003 mm-hmm. so 97 to 03 what's that six years yeah yeah, I mean, and then in then sorry, and then Austin joined the Alliance, so there was a little more time. Right. Then, so right. No, it's um, it, it there's not the only reason this isn't number one for me is because of the lack of in ring time one on one. That's that's it. Yeah. It, it to me is one of the greatest feuds um, storyline wise, and. Vince McMahon throwing the kitchen sink at him, involving the Rock. They have the the beer truck. They have, you know, the Bang three sixteen gun. Like Vince fucking pissed himself. <laughs> right. The Stone Cold goes to the hospital, hits him with the piss pan. Like there's just there's like a hundred moments like that's, that. That's <laughs> that's my favorite. So one to anybody who in wrestling was like, I won't do that mm-hmm. unless it's something like you have a crippling fear of like a casket match or getting bit on the arm by a cobra. Like, right. Or like, if like, I will mention for you me, know, by the way. <laughs> like if you won't, you know, 
if you're married and you don't want to get into like a sexual angle, like there's there's a few things like okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. But Vince McMahon pissed himself. <laughs> a, a billionaire. Really, he didn't pissed. just have like a bag that he hit. He well, he. I. I mean, I. I'm pretty. I'm sure he probably had some type of yeah. gimmick, but. Yeah. Vince McMahon gave the perception yeah. that a billionaire <laughs> pissed himself out of fear. Yeah. On na- the only yeah. thing that's worse than pissing yourself out of fear on national television mm-hmm. is shitting yourself in white jeans out of fear. <laughs> like you know Don't what I mean? Don't give like, Vince any ideas. You know what I mean? Like that, that's <laughs> if you right. if you refuse to lose to someone that you're gonna hurt your character, right. go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's one. <laughs> Two, my absolute favorite moment from this feud, and it might be my favorite out of the arena segment of all time, mm-hmm. is, oh, doctor, what do you think? Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. Clang. <laughs> and then, <laughs> <laughs> the noises Vince makes oh, yeah. when Austin's beating her, oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. And he fucking hit him with that, that bedpan. Oh, yeah. It's one of my, and I was I was a McMahon guy, and I was a corporation right, guy. Right. For one time, I rooted for The Rock because I was a corporation guy. Right, right. But when he's, <laughs> I, oh my god, it's right. Oh, I love it so much. Right. Oh, it's so good. So I mean, it's I think Man on the Street interview. This is uh, one one of the first feuds. Do you think mean McMahon on the street? <laughs> McMahon on the street. Our new segment, the McMahon <laughs> on the street. We'll, we'll interview people on Moody Street here and say, what's your top wrestling feud? And they will say, get, get away from me. I'm calling Excuse the Excuse me, sir. <laughs> I need to ask you a question. This is a McMahon on the street interview. What's your favorite one-on-one feud of all time? Fuck me. Thank you for your service. Oh, God. I want to do, do that to people so bad. I love it. All right. Yeah. Um, wow. I was so I was so perplexed on where to put this. Yeah. Because, like to your point, like if they had a lot of matches, it's one. But at the same time, they didn't have enough matches right. for it to be high. But their impact on the business yep. made it high. Like it's the most. It's so it's so fucking weird. Like where do I put right, this? Right. Right. This probably let them go public. And meaning as a public company, as and an idea. It made Austin a star. It yeah. launched the Attitude Era. It helped WWF defeat WCW. It made Vince the biggest heel in the history of yeah. the business. Those it are is, my notes. So, and sorry to interrupt you. No, but, go. Um, did Stone Cold? No, I'm going to get it wrong. No, keep going. Who? Who? Um, I'm intrigued by what you want to say. Right I now. I might have it backwards. Did Vince induct Stone Cold? Yes. That's that's what I was trying to say, yeah. but then I got confused because Vince Stone, is in India. Yeah, Stone Cold inducted Brett. Yes, Vince inducted Stone Cold. That's a big thing. Vince Vin- only inducted what one person? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, he should have inducted. Vince should have inducted three people into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Hogan. Hogan. Well, I'll say four. Hogan. Yeah. Bruno. Yeah. R.I.P. I'm not going to disrespect Bruno and right. do my do my gimmick. Right. Austin. Yeah. And John Cena. Uh, five. Yeah. <clears throat> and the Undertaker. Okay. Because Paul Bear, if Paul Bearer were still here, yeah. Um, I'd say Paul Bearer should induct the Undertaker, but those are the five right. that Vince should 
should so have a chance with a couple. He probably will induct Cena. Yeah, I think um, he should. I think he should. Otherwise, it should be Edge but, um, or one of his ex-wives. Oh! <laughs> and Undertaker. Like, Undertaker's the guy that, you know, it'll yeah. probably be Triple H or right. Sean. Right. Um, or Kane. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be mad at any of those, but it should be this. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's a testament to how big it was for the business. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look at us doing five and four. Yeah, that's time. all right. We're pretty close. Sometimes we sync up. So my number three okay. is your number eight. Bret Hart. Yes. His only appearance on my list, motherfucker. Wow. Um, versus Owen Hart. Um, <laughs> and I, oh, I so know what your number one is. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to do that. Wow, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. I'm not mad at that, but. Yep. Yeah, um, you have your reasons, I'm sure. Yeah, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. I mean, it really started Survivor Series 1993 at the Boston Garden. I was there. <laughs> um, and it went till mid-1997, which in the era of, there's the pre-taped Saturday show, right. and there's Raw, and five pay-per-views a year. Yeah. That's a big fucking deal. It is. Um, you know... The feud really started when Owen was the only one eliminated from that match, and he got angry, and they right. they had a microphone feud for two and a half months. Right. I will never, ever, ever, and I mean ever, wrestle my brother Owen. Yeah. Uh, and then that. Royal Rumble 1994, when the Quebecers mm-hmm. successfully defended their tag team titles. Because Brett was too damn selfish. <laughs> that's not my opinion. That's a direct quote. You're yeah. too damn selfish! And that's why you're sitting there with a broke, busted up leg. And that's why everybody all together now, I, I kicked, kicked your, your leg out of your, your leg. leg. Um, <laughs> WrestleMania 10, one of... Awesome. I try to be objective. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite WrestleMania matches, and it's not because Owen yeah. pins Brett. Yeah. Um... You know, Owen, Brett pinned Piper at WrestleMania 8, and that's yeah. one of my favorite WrestleMania right. matches. Owen versus Brett might be the best WrestleMania opener of all time. There's mm-hmm. an idea for another wow. one. Nice. Another idea for a future episode. Yep. I like it. And open up my trusty notebook <laughs> under the commercials. <laughs> so I came up yeah. with, what, two future episode ideas? Yeah. Two future, yeah. future episode ideas. Um, best Mania openers. Yeah. And best Rumble, non-Rumble Rumble matches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe you start out of Owen, the best SummerSlam match of all time, which yep. I think we agree on. Yep. It gave Brett someone else to work with other than the greatest wrestler of all time, yeah. in my notes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. it's easily my, my number three. It was it, my number one for a little while. It, it's, uh, it started up higher on my list, and, and when I started thinking of these... Um, it, it kept dropping down my list, and only for one reason. I thought the build was beautiful. I thought like then they'll never fight each other. Their brothers type thing was great. Um, what one of the big pivotal points of this feud is, you know, Owen convincing Helen to throw in the towel against Bob Backlund, and <laughs> which is a huge part of the feud. But that kind of ends the Owen Brett piece of it. Brett feuds with Backlund, and then he feuds with. Uh, Waller and then they never Easy. really yeah that's a good point they, they never really reconnected for that second you know how many of these feuds had a second right. coming and obviously what happened with Brett um, I think that they were building for that 
it may be for the title at some point. Um, but then Brett leaves the company, of course, and the Undertone was such a, there, I thought. Oh yeah, it's like, such a shame because this if they if they reconnected again, wherever it was, WCW in '98 or wherever, you know '99, 2000, it, it would have been great. And it's a shame it didn't happen. We never got that second run where Owen goes over and Owen gets a belt and all that stuff. So Brett can't lose in Canada. <laughs> But, I mean, you know I love both these guys, so I yeah. am not going to fight you on it. No, that's a good point. I think the one thing that this feud did so well that other feuds that we've talked about didn't do, there was always an undertone of the feud in everything Owen did. Mm-hmm. Everything Owen did. Yeah. Getting Yoko to be his tag team partner. Getting Anvil to join his side. Getting yeah. Bulldog to join his side. Aligning with Jim Cornette. Yeah. Every little piece of business Owen Hart did was to try to do outdo Brett. That is a great point. You know, every, you know, he became the king of hearts. Right. You know, he won king of the ring after Brett. Mm-hmm. You know, Brett had the world title, well, Owen had two slammies. Like every, <laughs> fucking love Owen. Everything Owen Classic. did was to be better than Brett. Their feud, I also wrote down, their feud also revitalized the Anvil's career, mm-hmm. revitalized the Bulldog's career. Yep. It made... Pillman relevant when he came over. Right. It opened the door for Austin, too. Yeah, it certainly did. And he had great matches with both these guys. Um, but, yeah. No, it was... You've uh, you've argued it nicely. And, uh, <clears throat> like I said, I had trouble with this one in particular. Where do I rank it? Because I, I could have ranked it um, much higher. And, actually, it was my number 10. I, I moved it up to 8. Earlier today, and I was, I was, I slept on it and said, "How can this not? How can this be on the cusp of making the list? This is a huge feud." It was my number one for a while. Yeah, it really was. But I was like, "Yeah." Yeah. And I got two in front of it. Mm-hmm. Um, your number three, I believe, I blew you up with my number ten. So now yeah. it's time for. It was my nod to WCW. It's Ric Flair versus Sting, right. and it basically is WCW. I mean, before NWO. It right. was WCW. Right, right. That's exactly how I felt. Right. So they have their, you know, Sting's the up-and-comer. Um, Flair had been around, and he feuded with... I mean, you could put Flair on this list a hundred times, too, if you Dusty, want to. Dusty, Steamboat. Right, they're both, um, both honorable Nikita, mentions. Yeah. Right. So... But Sting is, is Sting is sort of doing this, right? He's, he's, he's taken off. Um, in 1988, they have the famous 45-minute draw at the Clash of Champions, which is... Uh, the first Clash of Champions. That's right, the first. For the NWA title. Um, all the way till, the, till they both main event the last Nitro in 2001 together. I mean, they, that is quite the run. And, of course, they had their moments where they came and teamed up and, and did all that stuff, and Flair goes back and forth, face to heel. Um, they had a one-hour run. One, I'm sorry, that wonderful moment at Halloween Havoc where it's <laughs> Flair and Sting against Anderson and Pillman, and Flair punch. Yeah. Just when you thought we were gone! <laughs> we're back! Mm-hmm. Oh, I love exactly. it. Exactly. So, then... They have a one-hour draw in 1989, and WCW and NWA, maybe this is uh, part of that backstory, they would have these forever matches, right? Hour long, every yep. night, all the time. Um, you know, he's... But Flair kind of used him, right? He had him in the Four Horsemen for a bit, and they kicked him out. Yep. Um, Flair finally beats uh, he beats Sting again in 91 in Starcade for the title. Um 
He turns on Sting again in 95 when he's back after his WWE run, again to form the Four Horsemen. Um, he, Sting then beats Flair in 99 to become the on-screen WCW president. I mean, they go on a feud in TNA right. in 2011 for the right to fight Hulk Hogan, which is hysterical, which I don't even think he ever showed up uh, for a match in TNA. Um, so, I mean, these two just, like, they fought from pillar to post for, you know, three decades, basically. Yeah, they, they basically, you know, had a 13-year non-stop feud. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sting was always the biggest threat to Flair's championship once he arrived. Right. Flair put Sting on the map with that time limit draw, I feel like. Right, right. You know, as a kid, 100%. Sting and Flair was WCW to me when I was really young. Um, I'd be like, oh yeah, Hogan and all that. I was like, oh yeah, over there, that's Ric Flair and Sting. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Um, it put Sting on the map, like I said. It kept WCW alive. Um, their first match was March 27, 1988, the first clash of champions. They wrestled again September 4th, 1995 in the main event of the very first Nitro. Right. 12 years, 364 days later to the date wow. of their first match. They made him into the final Nitro on oh, March really? 26th, 2001. Wow. So, you 12 had the years. Itself. Wow. 12 years, 364 days to the day. <laughs> Almost 13 years. Wow. The only night, the final Nitro was on a Tuesday. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you said it perfectly. Um, I can't say it any better. It was WCW. Yeah. No, it's. Um, Until the NWO showed up. And, <laughs> yeah, right. NWO is. It, puts an indelible legacy on it but there was a, there was a group um, and if you're thinking who represents the WCW brand it's it's those two yeah 100%. absolutely absolutely alright number two I don't think I blew up here two yet you did not and I don't think my number two or number one is on your list based on how we're uh, going trajectory wise <laughs> yes I'm, yes I'm not surprised that my number two is not on your list. I am shocked that my number one is not on your list. And I'm sure you can... I've got my reasons. We'll get there. Yeah. yeah. My number two, we talked about both of them earlier. Okay. Um, I always think that um, you do your best work with your friends. Mm -hmm. That's why we have so much fun on this Mm -hmm. show. And I think friends bring out the best in each other. Right. And that's why from March of 1998 until June of 2006... Eight years worth of a feud. Wow. Triple H and Shawn Michaels yeah. is my number two feud of all time. It's a great one. It's, um, my, it's an honorable mention for me, but I'll let you go. You know, it, it started with, um, you know, with words in March of 98. You know, Shawn dropped the ball. And, you know, I'm going to take over and be the lifeblood of DX. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Shawn would show up from time to time. Help try to help out, and you know things would never really work out between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in two thousand, the fall, summer, fall two thousand two, they tried to reform DX, and Triple H turned on them, and it started a blood feud. Right. And I mean a blood feud. Um, Sean tried to jump through the window of a car in a parking lot. Um, <laughs> it was you, Hunter. You're goddamn right. It was me. Um, Channel margin, idiot. Yeah. And so they had the SummerSlam 2002 unsan- unsanctioned, unsanctioned street fight. Try saying that three times mm-hmm. fast. Um, Survivor Series 2002, the first elimination chamber. 
We shit all over Armageddon, but Armageddon 2002, they had the three stages of hell match for the title. We talked about Backlash 2003 earlier. SummerSlam 2003, Elimination Chamber 2 with Nash, Jericho, Goldberg, and Orton. Mm -hmm. Royal Rumble 2004, they had a very bloody last man standing match that went to a draw. Yep. WrestleMania 20, they had a triple threat match with some other guy. Um, <laughs> we can't say his name on right, the show. Right. Bad Blood 2004 was kind of their blow-off. They had an awesome Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. You know, two former best friends in a blood feud. I feel yeah. like they carried Monday Night Raw yeah. from 2002 to 2006, really. Like, right. They were always, you know, the pulse behind it. And then it, it, it saw the reformation of DX. Um, you know, it was, it was bad and hokey, but it had a bunch of really good matches in between. Right. Um, yeah, Triple H versus Shawn Yeah. Um, can't argue with that. I didn't realize that their feud lasted that long. Um, I know when Michaels came back and they had the the uh, SummerSlam match that we talked about, right? Yeah. Um, so when I think of them, I think of them. Maybe I'm being a hypocrite with with the Brett versus Brett and Owen thing since they reunited as the uh, Heart Foundation. I think of them as friends and not so much uh, feuding, you know, even to this day. So that's why I didn't. When I picture those two together, it's it's DX. Um, and, and in between all that is just, you know, some incredible match. And they both can work, obviously, um, and two legends. So, um, you know, there's only room for 10, and uh, that's, that's the only reason I dropped him. I, I think it's a bit of a blind spot for me. I didn't really watch a lot in that era. I kind of picked it back up in 06. I stopped watching probably 2000-ish, 2001. So... Um, yeah, I don't hate it. It's good. Tremendous. I know what your number two is. I just figured it out. Okay. Um, I, I know you're not a huge fan of Dwayne. Right. But, again, to back to the McMahon on the street. Um, my number two, of course, is Stone Cold and The Rock. And much like the... It's kind of intertwined with... Stone Cold and Vince, I think maybe, which is that, uh, I think that I think that's why it didn't make my list, right? Um, but it is the peak of the Attitude Era. It is one of the booms of maybe the boom in wrestling history. Um, you know, it starts in my eyes when uh, Austin had to forfeit the belt. I think he was hurt or whatever, or or McMahon stripped him of it and he threw the belt in the river. Uh, I think it was Intercontinental title. Yep, it was uh, after Owen <laughs> dropped him on his head. Oh, that's right. And he, instead of giving it to The Rock or, the, or to Vince, he launches it into There's the... what I think <laughs> of your Intercontinental Championship right there. Uh-huh! Mm -hmm. But... Bridget goes. And, and, and the, rock, the Rock reacting to anything Stone Cold did, just like, you know, that, um, that the faces he would make just make the feud so great. Um, of course, there's a beer truck when... Stone Cold drenches, um, you know, the Shane and Vince and The Rock. Uh, 1998 Rumble, Austin throws out The Rock to win. Um, you know, Austin was just ahead of him in terms of stardom at that right. point. But then they they headline, they main event two WrestleManias, WrestleMania 15 and 17. And then they were the co-main event in WrestleMania 19 when The Rock finally came back and, and got a win at WrestleMania. Um, if you are 
at that level in, in a in an era when especially you know 17 was in the middle of that and that was the peak of the attitude era um you're at that level and you you can you can repeat that match three times in in five wrestlemanias it's what else can you say it's they're just two giant stars two guys i think that respected each other a lot too i think that there was not that unhealthy or i don't want to call it unhealthy but not that competition i think that they both carved out an area for each other and i think that they would respect each other to this day if you gave them some truth serum i think that they like each other maybe i'm wrong um but you know um so there wasn't that like underlying tension uh, i think they both knew they could make a lot of money and they both did so stone cold in the rock not mad at it um <laughs> no i mean no I, I get everything that you're saying and you know effect on the business it was huge when I think of their feud, and I really reflect on it, and I try to not be biased, because I, I love Stone Cold, um, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed The Rock when he was actually there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do have a sour taste in my mouth now, because he's never fucking, you know, cause, you know, right, right. the end and hurt the means. It is an honorable mention for me. I think this is going to be, this will be controversial. <laughs> um... I think their best work was when they were mid-carders feuding over the Intercontinental title. Okay. I think the WrestleMania 15 match, while it was at the height of the Attitude Era stuff, um, was hindered by a lot of Gaga. Mm -hmm. They had the Big Show got involved, and they had the fucking um, Mankind run in as the ref, and Shane got involved. There was a lot of, there was a lot, they were a lot of Lana, you know, Raven and Dreamer was a tier below because it was ECW, and ECW was 99% Gaga. Mm-hmm. This this feud and this position was too important to rely on Gaga. Right. Um, it's a good point. I mean, um, Latte? Latte! So... We got, it, we got plenty of time. It Whoa. wasn't so much a one-on-one, now that you say it like that. And I, you was, know, that might that might be it. I thought of it more of the corporation versus yeah. as opposed was, to the Rock versus. There was people coming and going. Beverly Brothers, but on the flip side of that, Beverly Brothers, there was everyone wanted a piece of it, or everyone got a rub from it, you know. Um, and they were both just huge, huge. Um, they were carrying the company basically at the time. So um, I know the the Rock is not, doesn't hold the the strongest place in your heart but they're both they're both just such huge personas you know anyone can go and have a match but the promos back and forth <clears throat> I mean there's a reason to this day if either one of them shows back up on Raw it's just it's taken over the entire show you know yeah that's it, a very good point it's um, so I, I thought given their place in history I thought it was uh and the three WrestleManias. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, so WrestleMania 17, biggest WrestleMania of all time, I feel like they fucking, they dropped the ball with that right, one too right. because they relied so much on, I mean, they had the shitty, the shitty ending. Like, I liked Vince getting involved, but like, it was a shitty ending. Right. Um, right. And then 19, Austin was at the end of his rope, he could barely do anything. Right. So I think their best work was... Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I thought you know they did a good job it's, selling nineteen as as the Rock needs to exercise this demon. It was it was kind of obvious he was going to win, uh, and he hit someone with well, you know how many rock bottoms or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah. But I can't be mad at him because I mean it de- it was definitely impactful. Um, I think it's time for honorable mentions. I only it, had five. I have many, but I have a surprise <gasps> segment for you. Oh, I love surprise! It segments. is. A Merry Christmas to Mr. Chris Barcella. I was perusing eBay the other day. What and is I'm so this? happy that he invited me to be a part of the Ten Pound Podcast. I thought I should get him a Christmas gift. What? Are it, it is. I think you're going to love it. Um, go ahead and open it what live. Is, <laughs> I am shocked and chagrined. What do this we got here? Is, um, I'm excited. What? That is unbelievable. <laughs> It is an Owen Hart and Shawn Michaels grudge match action figure set, head-to-head bone-crunching action, mint on card, with a little ring. I'm going to hang this up in my bedroom. (laughs) This is unbelievable. It is from 1997. Wow. I came across it. I remember this. Yeah. I never got it, but I remember this. Yeah, and it's got a little ring with it and everything, and I thought... Owen and Sean... This is going to get a nice little spot on my <laughs> wall. It's going to be hung up in the Palace of Virtue. It's a bit weathered with, That's, you know... It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Aged, so I'm going to post a picture of that on the page later. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Thank to you. Thank you for uh, inviting me to be a part of the podcast because I enjoy the hell out of it. I, so. I'm glad that, you know, almost a year ago you sent me an email about this very detailed... <laughs> Royal Rumble thing, and I go, God damn it, he's as crazy as I am. I found somebody to help me bring back the podcast. It's, yes. These last 20, 21, if you count the watch along we did, episodes have been a a pleasure and a joy, and it's one of my favorite things that I do. And Yeah, no, um, I totally agree. It's something I very much look forward to, so um, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God. And it wasn't, like a, it wasn't like a, uh, you know, one, two, three kid mock Price, so I said I'm gonna scoop that. I love it. I'm, I'm. You can see me. I'm practically speechless. I'm, I'm, like, I'm legitimately touched. Two of my favorite wrestlers of all time in something, and um, I'm, and mock too. and mock. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a nice little thumbtack, and nice. it's gonna be up on my wall, maybe next to my WrestleMania three, um, like old school event card poster that you've seen. Yeah, I've that's got beautiful. that's that's gonna be hung proudly. In the offices of the Palace of Virtue. Yeah, ironically, I don't... It's funny, if you look at the back, and they have all the grudge matches. I don't... Obviously, Owen and Sean had their matches, but I don't consider that a major grudge. Obviously, they, they did not make our list. Right. Um, so, they have actually... Uh, is that Undertaker and Mankind? Yep. That makes sense. Goldust and Savio <laughs> Vega. Big feud. Which kind of makes sense. Brett and Austin makes perfect yep. sense. Yoko and Ahmed makes zero sense. <laughs> Sid and Vader, I think I remember. That. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That's yeah. awesome. I can't wait to hang it up. Yeah, or open it and play with it. I don't oh know. no, I got I got to <laughs> hang that up. I mean, I'm tempted to open it up and play with it, but yeah. like it just I love like the little. Yeah, um, I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna take a picture and put it on Instagram right now. By the Beautiful. time you people hear this, it will yeah. already be up there. But perfect. I'll start with my honorable mentions then, as you take the picture, because I have several. I won't munch, I won't mention the ones that were brought up. Um, Rick Rude vs. Ultimate Warrior. Awesome. I, I thought 
more of a testament to Rude for hanging in there with Ultimate Warrior for many, many singles matches, which a lot of people wouldn't even work with Warrior. We talked about Flair versus Steamboat, Flair versus Rhodes, and we'll go into that. Uh, Chris Jericho versus Dean Malenko. This is basically just... Fuck you! <laughs> I forgot about that. Hold on. Yeah. You know what? It's... <laughs> Sorry. Ric Flair and Sting, you're off my list. Wow. Jericho and Malenko is number 10. Oh my god. Yeah, no. Yeah, Jericho Jericho and Malenko is yes. one of is the reason I love Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho with the picture of Dean Malenko. He brings out his brother. He has his uh, bore us Malenko, a, a testament to uh, Malenko's dad, and beats the hell out of the fake Boris Malenko. Um, just incredible stuff. And if you've never watched the Battle Royal where um, Dean Malenko pretends to be Cyclope and takes the mask off, take my word for it. Go back and watch it. It is one of the greatest moments, I think, in wrestling history. I, I'm, it's Maybe I'm overstating it. I think... It is you can you can hear the crowd as they realize and, and what's great about it is the crowd is realizing it in different iterations. Some people yeah, are so. like, "Oh shit, that's definitely him." Some right. people have to wait for him to take the whole mask right. off. When they should, when he and Hooven Hooven Stooge Hooven shook Jesus. hands, like you're like, "Oh shit!" Like some people were like, "Oh, something's yeah. going on." I mean, we I think I uh, I performed his. Introductions of all the competitors. Right. A couple, you know, I forget what episode that was. Oh, funniest heels, I bet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was definitely episode it. six. Yes. Um, it's in the archives. Yes. Oh uh, no, it was. Oh, uh, that's a great feud. The it, thousand and four holds. Man, the first time we got to hear the cross, the wow, the moss-covered, three-handled family credenza was part of that yeah. feud. He's a lot more charismatic than you. That's not saying much. Yeah. Jericho versus Malenko, just for promos. This is Silver King. If he wins <laughs> ten more matches, he'll be, he'll be upgraded to Platinum King. One, I'm, I'm kind of surprised was not on your list for work rate alone was Undertaker and Shawn Michaels over the years. You know, the two WrestleMania matches are iconic. Um, you know, I never got the sense, like, I love, uh, well, I won't talk about your number one, but Undertaker and, and Michaels... They were just sort of both there at the same time together. The chemistry was not perfect. That's why I didn't talk about it. Um, I feel like that's just two guys that met up every once in a while. Right, right. Like I don't really consider anything that they did yeah, to be a you. You know what I mean? Like, and which is weird because like they had Hell in a Cell, and then they had the Royal Rumble match, right. and the Undertaker broke Sean's back. I'm blaming the Undertaker. Um, <laughs> but like, I didn't. I didn't consider that. A feud, right. you know, and, which I know I'm splitting hairs because right. you can be like, "Well, jerk off." Um, I can't even think of something. Like, well, Brett, no, and no, fuck you. That, that was a feud. Right. It's a big difference. Right. In the same vein, by the way, Undertaker versus Triple H. Mm. Uh, several big matches. We awesome about matches, yeah. but I don't consider Five that pay-per-view matches. A, we talked about a yeah. feud. Uh, shout out to the God of Hellfire. I threw in Bruno versus Larry Zabisco. Oh, he's going to love you for that. <laughs> How about Trish Stratus and Lita? That came up in my research a lot. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to a women's feud. They, I know you're not a big Trish fan, but, you know, they they made a bunch of Raw. They, they did some trailblazing themselves. Eddie Guerrero versus Kurt Angle. 
That, I, I honorable mentioned that one as well. Yeah, I really wanted to put that one on the list to start on my list, and I said it's it's just too short of a of a span, which is a shame because those two are just phenomenal. And then um, this is just a personal favorite of mine: Macho Man versus Jake the Snake Roberts. The the snake biting Macho Man is an iconic moment. It's Jake the Snake interrupting the friggin' Wedding, although Undertaker was there with him, so uh, you know Randy like losing his mind going into the Royal Rumble, going after Jake. How and dare I, you marry Elizabeth? <laughs> Did she ever give you the cocaine that I gave you? I don't think so. <laughs> you gotta think about that real, real close. <laughs> right. So you know, in the span of things, it actually was not that long of a feud, but um, it was great. Yeah, I, that's one of those ones that if it were today, it would be a lot different, but right. still be amazing. Right. Uh, my honorable mentions, we talked about some of them earlier, but I only did six or five. I only did five, so I'll re- repeat mm-hmm. them. Angle Eddie, mm-hmm. um, right. Rock and Austin, yep. Sean and Jericho, Eddie and Ray. That feud yeah. spanned two companies. Yeah. The fucking... The Dominic ladder <laughs> Matt match. Matt McGachran's favorite match. Of the custody of Dominic ladder match. Their Halloween Havoc match. You want to talk about, I mean, the smarts and the jerks like me remember it, but mm-hmm. their Halloween Havoc match where Ray's wearing the full, like, phantom purple suit mm-hmm. and Eddie's got that. Eddie's got his, like, super I'm on coke hair, like the yeah. mullet with, like, the sides shaved yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's just dirty and filthy and that's that's the one that I mean they did the spot a couple of times but that's the famous one where Eddie goes for the gory special yeah. which hey assholes it's not the razor's edge it's the gory special <laughs> but for, for you uh, laymoids out there it's a top rope razor's edge mm-hmm. stand on the top rope that's hold awesome. him up but it's I mean they were so fucking smooth yeah and a, a, a jerk like me didn't even see it coming. Mm-hmm. He picked Ray up for it, got a little too high. Ray caught him and did a Hurricane Rana uh, off the top rope out of the move. That's crazy. It's a great, great, great fucking match. Um, yeah. And then, got to give a little more love to the guy I hate more than anybody. Yeah. Randy Orton and John Cena. Yeah. I think uh, when, when, when we look back at the ruthless aggression era, yeah. Randy Orton versus John Cena is basically yeah. two unknown guys, much like Austin, oh, not Austin, much like Triple H and The Rock mm-hmm. helped make each other and get them here. Yeah. John Cena and Randy Orton helped take each other from, you can't see, that's what I'm saying, from yeah. here right. to here. <laughs> and you can hear it in my voice when I'm trying to say from here to here. Um, they're both Hall of Famers because of what they did with each other, and yeah. they're, they're they're kind of like um, one one. They're you know it's I don't mean this, but it's the best way that I can put it. They're kind of like the Flair and Sting mm-hmm. of WWE of the of the ruthless aggression era. Yeah. They were always at each other, you right. know, and still they're at each other. You know, right. it's always oh yeah. They don't like each other, and they're gonna meet. They're gonna hit up, match up again. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, man, no, I'm talking I, about it like it's on my list, but I just yeah. Because no, they, Orton, Orton, I think is an interesting one because um, I think he gets lost in the shuffle. He's not on on my list or my honorable 
mentions, but he he's a guy that can feud with a uh, a broom, really. I think could because of whether he's the crazy gimmick or like the the face gimmick. I mean, his his stuff with Edge and Cena and uh, even Wyatt and everybody like it's just uh, he's a he's a great talent. So. Um. I'm going to say something kind of weird and controversial, but it, it, I think you'll understand what I'm saying when I say it. Owen, Owen Hart and Randy Orton, they're there. And I think that's why, you know, Owen versus Brett is an outlier, but it's hard to put one of them on the list for, like, great feuds because they're, they're just there. And like you said, Orton could have a match with a broom. It's like, they're those guys, you know... Or we can spend all day talking about the there guys. Kurt Henning, Randy Orton, Owen Hart. Right. Um, right. I say we could do it all day and then I draw them blank. <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like there there's those guys that you put them in the ring right. and as long as the guy has two feet, sorry, right. Zach Gallon, these guys are gonna make them look amazing. Right. Rick um, Rude. Yeah. yeah those types. Rick Rude was there. Um DiBiase, yeah. those types of guys. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's all I will mention. All right. And I think it's time ones. for number one. I know yours. You know yep. mine. My number one is The Undertaker versus Mankind. Yeah. Controversial at number one, I know. I get it. I didn't do it to be controversial. It was your number six, right? Yep. Uh, I, I could have... Uh, sorry, not to interrupt you. I could have... Six through one for me, Could I could have interchanged. I think and maybe even going back to seven and eight because I love the Jericho Shawn Michaels one so much. But anyway, keep going. I really could have moved a lot of things around with the greatest of these. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been hard to move things around. But when I really thought about it, um, you know, we talked earlier about you know this guy made this guy and these two guys made each other. Um, I think you know, and I have. You know, A through K notes for these, you know. It, it started with the ambush of The Undertaker after, you know, the night after WrestleMania 12 when The Undertaker defeated Diesel to become 5-0 at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Undertaker defeated Justin Hawk Bradshaw and out comes this this animal. Just the, this this right. this thing that we've been seeing attacks. You know, he just ambush attack after ambush attack after right. ambush attack. And... Um, you know, 1996 King of the Ring was their first match, and I remember, you know, this is June 1996, so this was 22 years ago, mm-hmm. if my math was correct. Um, I remember jumping out of my chair, and I was 12, yep. and I popped when Undertaker went for the tombstone, and Mankind reversed it into the Mandible Claw. Yeah. That had never. No one. Yeah. No one reverses the tombstone. Right, you know, like, right, right. no one kicks out of the leg drop. Right. No one reverses the fucking tombstone, and he reversed the tombstone. And then Paul Bearer accidentally struck the Undertaker with the, the urn, and Mankind pinned the Undertaker one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. And that, and there's more that I'm going to get into about it, but that moment right there, not only made Mankind a player, mm-hmm. but it made the Undertaker beatable. Yeah. Think about that. And for all you nerds listening out there, think about that for a second. <laughs> Undertaker, you know, we revere Undertaker now as like a sacred cow type of guy and the streak and all that stuff. But yeah. if you think about Undertaker from 1990, November of 1990 when he debuted, up until 1996, not a lot went on for the Undertaker. Like, 
he had that little run with Hogan in November of 91 with Tuesday in Texas, and we talked all about that, you know, a few weeks ago with the worst pay-per-views, episode 19. Oh, that was the last fucking episode. Holy (laughs) shit. Yeah, our last episode, I think it was like three weeks ago. But, um, you know, and he'd have, you know, mini feuds here and there with Sid. Mm -hmm. I love Sid. You love Sid. We all love Sid. (laughs) Um, You know, at WrestleMania 13 and 1997. So this was actually before Sid. Um, But, like, from 91 to 96, like, King Kong Bundy, IRS, Kama Mustafa. Yeah. Giant Gonzalez, Yoko Zuno, and even Yoko needed 10 guys to beat him in the casket match. The fake, the under faker, all this bullshit. And all of a sudden, here comes a guy who beats the Undertaker clean and makes the Undertaker beatable. And they have the boiler room brawl in 1996. And Paul Bearer, Paul Bearer turns on the Undertaker, Uncle Paul, I'm too, that's, that's Terry Funk. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Mankind's 2-0 and and then you know the awesome Shawn Michaels Mankind match in Mind Games Undertaker gets involved yeah. then they have the Buried Alive match and then you know they have the Survivor Series 96 and then yeah. Mankind you know starts attacking Undertaker with fireballs after can, can you read point number H for me word for word it, I wrote it that way to make you happy <laughs> After Undertaker stole the WWF title from Sid at WrestleMania 13, Mankind started attacking with fireballs, etc. Yeah. Undertaker fucking stole the title from Sid. Um, Revenge of the Taker, they have a match um, at In Your House. And, you know, they have a little cooling off period. And then we get Hell in a Cell. You know, know, one of the most popular matches of all time, you know. So I wrote innovative matches. You know, they had a boiler room brawl. They had a shark cage match. They had a buried alive match. They had the most popular Hell in a Cell. Not the best, but the most popular Hell in a Cell of all time. You know, it made The Undertaker beatable. And the masses, not the smarts, they were like, it's fucking Cactus Jack. It's not Mankind. That's Cactus Jack, you know. One ear, bang, bang, and all that shit. It 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 made Mick Foley a legitimate star in the eyes of the masses. Yeah. No, I. You said it so well. I think there's that, my Gettysburg address <laughs> on Mankind versus the Undertaker. Wow. Um, it it you know we talked about in honorable mentions that we didn't have Undertaker versus Triple H or Shawn Michaels because it lacked that sort of chemistry or it factor or whatever you want to call it. And Mankind had that aura about him when he came around he, that he just didn't give a shit. Right. He was, he was not scared of anything. He, you know, he was tormented by things greater than the Undertaker. I'm and, not afraid. Right. <laughs> and um, I think maybe there's some backstage stuff too that I think Undertaker really respected fully. Um, and I know he had his issues with Michaels and Triple H at least way back when. Maybe not so much later on in his career. So um, I think that kind of showed through I think the it, it can't be overstated how important the the uh, king of the ring where he throws him off the frigging hell in a cell and then throws him through it um, you know what what that meant in wrestling history so I I totally get it 
it's it's a huge one. All right. <laughs> well said. Well said. My I'm number one. So, I'm so glad I didn't blow up your number. I mean, everybody knows what it is because we can't help ourselves. But I'm so glad I didn't blow up your number I'm, one this week. I'm more interested to see how it didn't end up on your list, and I'll run through it real quickly. My number one feud in wrestling history, of course. Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy. <laughs> no? Tito Santana versus Rick the Model Martel. Undertaker versus Kane, which actually, <laughs> yeah. honorable mention. Yeah. I don't think either one of us mentioned it, but no, we didn't. Undertaker we versus Kane. It's a good one, too. Um, but they're kind of brothers. Hillbilly Jim versus King Kong Bundy. <laughs> no? It is Brett the Hitman Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Absolutely. And I we, get t- you. we talked about the um, sort of similar fashion with... Um, Triple H and The Rock, they both were about the same age. They both were coming through the mid-card and tag teams and whatnot. Um, they had, they knew they would run into each other at some point. And there was genuine competition and dislike and egos involved. So their very first singles match, can you name the year, by the way, in WWF? The very first singles match between Shawn Michaels and Bret the Hitman Hart. About- Let's see. Brett won the Intercontinental title in 1991 at SummerSlam against Mr. Perfect. Yep. Um, their first televised one-on-one match. Mm-hmm. I, th- I want to say it was Survivor Series 1992, but um, let me hold on. Let me think. Because 91, 91, yeah. Brett won the Intercontinental title Survivor Series 91. 92 was WrestleMania 8, Piper versus Brett. So I want to say it had to be somewhere in there. I'm going to say December of '91. So I have I, ha- I would have to look this up because my notes only say in their first singles match was 1990 okay. in a double countout. I don't know if that was on TV or not. Okay. I'm assuming it was on one of those tapes or you know right. one of those Coliseum videos. European Rampage, <laughs> the best of 1991. Right. So he uh, Brett actually defended the IC title at a wrestling challenge uh, versus Michaels in 92 before the Survivor Series okay. uh, match. Survivor Series was a world title match, right? Right. After right. Brett stole the belt from Flair. <laughs> right. Right. And then Santa comes out or something afterwards, if I'm remembering something, right. Yeah, something this is fucking lame. weird. Yeah. No, Santa came out at Survivor Series 93 with Luger. I remember that. Right. That was there. <laughs> so I think it was because I think I remember Brett in the, in the hat. So, oh, that's right. Um, of course, the Iron Man match um, at WrestleMania 12. Yep. Um, considered one of the all-time great WrestleMania matches. In a year when they needed it, by the way. We've talked about that. Yeah, WrestleMania 12. Right. Um, and then punctuated by the screw job in 97, the Survivor Series. And that's why I thought... It would be on your list because they both have made, particularly Brett, because Sean went on to continue wrestling and having all these great feuds that we've talked about. Brett was basically toast, um, save for a short and unsuccessful WCW run. But you are of the opinion that it is a work. Yes, I am. And to me, one of the greatest, if it is a work indeed, one with legs and both have made an, an, a career, another career after this, especially Brett. Whether it was a work or not, he's he's been talking about it for 
20 years. Right. So um, that's why I thought for sure it would be on your list um, to talk about as a work. But I'll throw it back to you. Okay. So if I could, con- if I could convince <laughs> three people, like oh, everybody that I talk to, you included, think I'm fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. I think it's a work. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very least, the furthest I'm willing to bend is I believe it's 99.9% possible that it's a work. Yep. Like, you can't convince me that it's impossible. People are like, no way it's impossible. One of my best friends, a fan of the show, and we're going to have him on soon, Brian Fredrickson, tells me it's impo- It's not even possible that it's a work. Mm-hmm. How, uh, yeah. yeah. So, if, if, it, if it ever comes out that I'm right and everyone else is wrong, that it's a work, it's the greatest feud of all time. Mm-hmm. Because they worked the fans for that was ninety seven mm-hmm. for at to, up to this point twenty one years without it coming up. Right. Um, to that end, we could only ma- name three one on one matches they had. Yeah. From in six years, right? From ninety from ninety to ninety well ninety yeah. nine, so seven years from ninety to the fall of ninety seven. Right. They their feud was a lot more. Yakety Yak and teams yeah teams the Rockers versus the Hart Foundation which they never actually feuded because they were both faces at the same time right Um, right yeah there was the Hearts versus uh, you know Shawn Michaels actually subbed in for um, Lawler in 93 yep and I won't say it (laughs) I was there I said it because Funk's horse was sick and I thought the DX versus the Hart Foundation the new heart, like the heart, uh, yeah, the heart foundation, yeah, the heart foundation. Pillman and everybody, um, was fantastic. But they never really uh, wrestled, they, is, yeah. my pro- is my problem. And yeah. not, not that I disagree with you because you're making valid points. Um, but for me, this almost falls under the Austin and Vince realm. Mm-hmm. Like, they, mm-hmm. they had three matches with each other, yeah. and only one of them do we really remember because of the backstory, yeah. Um, I mean, they're not, the Iron Man match between them was awesome, but you know, and and uh, I'm gonna be weird and call myself a wrestling wrestling historian for for this purpose. If a wrestling historian like me can be like, I've got three matches that I can name, mm-hmm. and one was on a terrible fucking paper, two were on terrible fucking pay per views, <laughs> Survivor Series '92. Actually, shit, all three were on terrible fucking pay per views. <laughs> Right, you know that that it, it's hard for me to to justify. Like, and I get, if we're talking, you know, real life and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I get you. And I and again, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. You know, the points that you made are absolutely valid, and I can see I can see your vantage point and why that's a number one yeah. for the criteria I laid out. Um, yeah, it, it falls for me. Like okay. the length of their feud, like. They didn't really care about each other, you know. Yeah. Brett moved on to the world title after their Survivor Series, you know. Well, Brett was the world champion, but Sean moved on to the IC title, right, right. and Brett went and did his world title stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, Sean lost. Now, mark the date, mark the time. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, December 18th, 2018, 829 p.m. If Sean Michaels wasn't I'm checking for stuff. I don't want to say a word that will get me in hot water here. <laughs> she on won't be offended. 
if Sean wasn't a cunt in 1997, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you this. Wow. Losing his smile and all that shit was bullshit. Yeah. Wow. I'm still going to say Sean's better. Yeah. From pillar to post and every metric that you can come up with. Wow. Sean should have lost to Brett at WrestleMania 13. Yeah. And if they carried out through the year from between 12 and 13, like when Brett came back and they picked up their feud and, and went full-on blood feud and had their rematch, mm-hmm. and then at some point you couldn't do WrestleMania 14 and make three back-to-back. Actually, you know how I like to rewrite history. Yeah, good. I think if Sean didn't go full bitch, because mm-hmm. he went full bitch. Um, yeah. And dropped to Brett at WrestleMania 13. I think WrestleMania 14 could have been the rubber match where we you have a winner of the feud yeah. and we move on. Um, but to that end, you know, there there wasn't a good payoff. You know, right. there was this again. If the screw job is in fact a work, like I believe it is, yeah. it had a great fucking payoff. Right. And Brett went off to WCW and failed and. <laughs> Right. A bunch of people had their lives ruined because of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bulldog's yeah. life got ruined by it. Yeah. Owen's yeah. life got ruined by it. Yeah. Brett's life got ruined by it. Right. And, right. you know, a lot of the family that we don't talk about, you know, all joking aside, yeah. lives were ruined by what ended up happening right. as a result of all this. Which is why I can see the people are like, no way it's a work. Blah, 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 blah. But... We're going down a whole different wormhole <laughs> about different. about it being a work or not. But I think because if we want to believe that I'm wrong and everybody else is right, and not a lot of people agree with me in the business, by the way. If we want to believe that it was a shoot and that was real, there was no good payoff to the end of their feud. Yeah. It had a negative effect on Brett's business. Um, and they had th- three... Matches, one of which was good. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. Again, I, it sounds like I'm shitting on your list, and I'm really trying not to because no. I get your opinion, and it, it all makes sense to me. But for me, to the end where it didn't even smell my list, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's just based on the protect criteria I used. Yeah, you know, they had two very memorable matches, but for very different reasons. Right. Well, I mean, you put it nicely. I. I totally get it. Um, it is a weird thing that, given the length of time that they were in the scene together in WWF at the time, that they didn't meet up uh, more for more singles matches. So I, I totally get it. Um, I kind of hope it's not a work, given the the light you just cast on it with all the lives that were impacted by it. Um, and, you know, they, they made money from um, keeping the storyline going, but I think they could have made more by reconnecting and, and feuding down, you know, down the road. So. Absolutely. You know, I, I've said this before, and it's really morbid, <clears throat> and I'll try to come up with something lighthearted after I say it so we don't end the podcast on a sour right. note this week. But I always, I've always said if Brett never went to WCW... Mm-hmm. Think of how many, and again, I'm not, I'm not blaming, but this is so hard to say. Um, but if Brett never went to WCW, 
Bulldog never would have, would have gone. Mm-hmm. Never would have fallen on the trap door. Never would have broken his back. Right. Never would have, you know, had the demons that he had. And he may right. still be with us today. Right, right. Would Owen have become the blue blazer? Yeah. You know, like it's... It, and it's, it's a, a tricky weird. game. And yeah. why I hesitate to say it. Because, you know, what what would have happened, you know? Would Sean have... Would Sean have wrestled The Undertaker at yeah. Royal Rumble and hurt his back and taken four years off? Right. Or to Brett kept the title and wrestled Austin at WrestleMania. Hey, that's not yours. That's not yours, Sid. <laughs> um, so there's, I mean, there's a hundred what ifs. Right, um, right. Yeah. To that end. Um, yeah. Montreal was a conspiracy <laughs> strand. There we go. I knew I would get it lighthearted. Yeah, I love it. Um, this was a good, I, I enjoyed this topic. I had a lot of yeah. fun thinking of things. Um, like we always do, let's recap for the yeah. people keeping score at home. Yeah, yeah. I changed my list at the very last <laughs> minute. Um, so my number 10 was Jericho versus Malenko, formerly Ric Flair versus Sting. Number 9, Andre and Hogan. Number 8, Raven and Tommy Dreamer. Number 7, John Cena and Edge. Number 6, Triple H and The Rock. Number five, Hulk Hogan and Savage, excuse me. Number four, Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. Number three, Bret Hart and Owen Hart. Number two, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Number one, Mankind versus The Undertaker. I like it. All right. Number 10, for me, Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. Number nine, Mick Foley slash Mankind versus Triple H. Number eight, Bret Hart versus The King of Hearts, Owen Hart. Number seven, Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels. Number six, Undertaker versus Mick Foley slash Mankind. Number five, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. Number four, Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage. Number three, Ric Flair versus Sting. Number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. And number one, Bret the Hitman Hart versus Shawn Michaels. All right. Hard to argue with those two lists. So you all know what's coming up next. Episode 21 is going to be a fun one. It's the County Awards. (laughs) We're going to have a slew of special guests. I don't know everybody that's going to be on it, but, um, you know, I know Brian Fredrickson wants to be on the show. The man's so cool. Trip McNeely signed his yearbook, as I like to call Brian. (laughs) If you don't know who Trip McNeely is, you know, do yourself a favor and Google it. I'm sure the Musica Mahler is going to be involved. Sure. The man that Gravity remembered will probably be there. Yeah. And it's going to be a watch-along. We're going to be watching the entire 1992 Royal Rumble pay-per-view events um, yes. and doing audio commentary as, long, as well as giving out the first annual county awards. If you want to vote on the counties, uh, email, email us, 10countwrestling at gmail.com. We're going to be handing out awards for Raw Superstar, Male and Female of the Year, Raw Tag Team of the Year. Same thing for SmackDown and NXT, so those nine awards. We're also going to have Overall Face of the Year, Overall Heel of the Year, Overall Commentator of the Year, Stable of the Year, and then there's the 10 Count Awards, Favorite Guest Host, Somebody's got a commanding lead. Um, favorite episode and favorite impression on the show. Someone also is in a commanding lead on that um, that one. So that's going to be episode 21. The next regularly scheduled list type episode will be episode 22. It's going to drop in January. So I think to that end, I'm going to take a page out of your book. So again, episode 21 will be the counties. 
Mm -hmm. And the Royal Rumble watch along, and then just in time for Royal Rumble, <laughs> just in time, yes, um, just in time for Royal Rumble season, we're going to do the just like I talked about the top ten non-Rumble Royal yes. Rumble pay-per-view matches. So yes. you know, I'm top ten basically Royal Rumble undercard matches. Um, I like it. Yeah, so we'll get to talk about Triple H more and. Someone yeah. will probably mention Sean breaking his back to piss me off. <laughs> well, well, does Dino Bravo breaking the world bench press record count as a match? That's <laughs> not that it doesn't. But I, if I can think of two others, maybe Hardcore Halftime could be mm. top top three non match segments yeah. at a Royal Rumble event Talk because the today. Super Pose Down oh, would wow. also be eligible That's for a that. Great one. The Super Pose Down McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you hear him? That's the most muscular montage. <laughs> Fuck Jesse Ventura. I love that one too. Yes. I love Jesse Ventura. <laughs> That's going to do it for us, I think. Unless, you got anything else to no, add? No, I think uh, Merry Christmas to all. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll stick around in 2019. We've got so much. I've got a bunch of fun stuff planned for 2019. Yeah. Today was just the first governor bo governor body commercial. <laughs> I've got a bunch of goofy shit planned to fall like as breaks on the episodes. So um nice. I hope you're all enjoying the show. It's been a fun, you know, we started this earlier in the year right after the Royal Rumble mm -hmm. and it's been a lot of fun. So I I don't, yeah, we're not going to get the new episode out probably until after January 1st. We'll see. Be close. Um, but uh, to everybody out there, have a safe and happy holiday, whichever one you choose to celebrate, or celebrate all of them. Why not? <laughs> I mean, Hanukkah's over, but if, you know, yeah. if you're listening to this, I hope you had a, a happy Hanukkah if you're like Raven and Goldberg. If you're a Kwanzaa guy, happy Kwanzaa. Merry Christmas, like you said, and... If there's another one out there that I don't know about, a fourth holiday, McMahon. Festivus. Yeah. I Happy know, Festivus. I know Andrew celebrates Festivus. We used to do Festivus at my house. <laughs> I'm undefeated in wooden door table breaking championship <laughs> matches. That's a real thing that's happened at the at the Palace of Virgin. So yeah, and um, everybody, you know, ooh, I'm gonna get serious for a second. If you're having a good time, just don't be stupid. You right. know, be safe. Um, don't drink and drive all that shit you know I'm gonna get a little serious because it's the time when people do stupid yeah. shit and it's not worth it have a couple of Miller lattes yep. have a soda or a water to do like John Taffer says you know and just have a surge. be smart and safe and um, we will see you in 2019 you've got the next two episodes in your back pocket and you know what we're gonna bring you and uh, thank you for listening and all your support 